you look even better in person. Ropes, vines, vines. Let him finish. Oh, what's what's the? <laughs> because it's because um someone's saying I heard through the or what is the what is the line? I do forget the context of that line because I I have watched this episode twice in the last week and who knows how many times overall. I gotta tell you, there's so much in it that my brain has trouble like parsing out each individual moment. Uh, ropes, vines, vines. Let him finish. Yeah. I feel like it's she's trying like someone asked a question and he's they're like trying to find the word for it and then she, she's she's stoned she tries to finish this, she goes ropes vines vines let him finish <laughs> <laughs> which is I don't know I don't think this is the first case of community doing let him finish but it becomes like a real runner oh I think the first one is Asian population studies where. Uh, Jeff is giving the speech for Chang and he just starts listing serial killers and then Chang and Chang says, I think the first one's the pen episode. Oh, maybe it is. But yeah, so there's there's that Jeff's like, maybe a a ghost took it. And they're like, let him finish. And he's like, no, that's it. Maybe a ghost took it. Maybe a ghost took it. You're probably right. But but the the bit is that she's so high and normally you say, let him finish to someone who is interrupting. But you are interrupting and you are saying it in addition to yourself uh which is uh very funny this is this is not a uh brita dense episode but there's a lot of strong uh material here iconic brita moments uh, oh, uh sprinkled throughout i've got the line for you guys, for you for you folks if you want to if you want to hear it it's right after abed catches the die it says we shouldn't do it and abed says our job isn't to fight it but to weather it together on the raft of life a raft held together by those few rare, beautiful things that we know to be predictable. Ah. She goes, ropes? Fines. Fine? Let him finish. And she goes, let him finish. And he goes, us. Oh, it's a locomotive that runs on us. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. We are the coal. We are the coal that powers the machine. Uh, but speaking of being the coal that powers the universal machine... I don't. I don't know if we're entering some dicey territory here, but the two of you oh have now finished the television show The Good Place. Oh man! And, oh yes. And however many months later, I do have a question for you both. Thoughts? I thought <laughs> before we get into thoughts, I thought I. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but dicey for this episode. Pretty good. The pretty good, right? Pretty good. Well done. You write that one down. You practice. Pretty freaking good. Yeah, I have, That's the, that's my secret cap. I have a list of segues I'm going to use throughout the. I don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I actually, I want someone who's been listening to find a single episode where we don't. At least one of us doesn't say. Speaking of blank, and then. <laughs> Use it with either a non sequitur or a really effective pun. Yeah, so Good the problem place. is most of the time we use it in a completely. Speaking of robot dogs, that was. And you're like, what the fuck? The hell? <laughs> you're going to start talking about Jimmy that. Neutron's pet Goddard? Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. Wow. That was that was great. I forgot Goddard was a thing. Jimmy Neutron! Wazzle! 
Croissant. Jimmy's mom. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Carl was the best. Uh, that's a classic Rob Paulson. Jimmy's mom. Ultra Yeah, he was cool. Sheen, we love Sheen. We hate Jimmy and Neutron, the poop-headed boy. Sheen. I will be learning you today. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you turning Sheen into a soft part character? <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. See- <laughs> I mean, she. What is Sheen if not a South Park, a PG South Park character? Sure. <laughs> How different is he than any you know on the fucking Chin Pokemon episode of South Park? Like, how different is he really? I don't know what that reference is, but I'm gonna assume that was a good reference. So I. Maybe. We'll see. Well, I love how you asked us about uh, The Good Place and we started talking about Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron, um, boy genius. A, uh, frankly, hideous televised animated program. Okay, wait. There's a serious... Before, okay, we're, we're in it now. We need to do it. Before, yeah, fine. Genuinely speaking, there is a Mandela effect. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. That is Jimmy Neutron, right? Okay. I swear on my life that the TV show came first. Hell no. You're you're absolutely wrong. not. You are absolutely just not. wrong. I mean I nope. okay. There's no Mandela to that shit, homie. You're just wrong. <laughs> okay. No, nah, Nelson every- Mandela okay. is alive and well. Are- <laughs> Maybe it's because y'all are twenty eight and I'm twenty about to be twenty five, but everybody else I know that's specifically my age goes, What? When they find okay, out Okay, hold on. Then that's probably because y'all weren't going to theaters yet. So you saw it when it was a show and then when you were old enough just watch the movie. I went and right. saw Jimmy Neutron in theaters, and if I'm five years older than you, then I was probably nine, and you were probably five. This, uh, you're, you're Jimmy Neutron three, is a three, 2001 so. American computer animated science fiction oh, comedy shit. film. Yeah. Um, so 2001. What was your first movie theater, uh, Jace? I don't know. I'm always blown away when people actually remember that shit. I don't know what my first movie was in a movie theater. It is possible that there were ones before this for me. The first one I can recall is seeing the Disney animated Hercules with my grandparents. That is the first theater going experience mm-hmm. I can remember. Bless my soul, Herc was on a roll. Was it challah or was it potato? That was oh, so bad. Oh, a roll, God. That God. was so bad, that didn't land <laughs> for either of you. The looks, I, the, the, listeners, the looks that both of these hosts just gave me. I just, I just didn't know what you said. You didn't no, that, give that's me. So like, worse. That's the best exactly. It, it wasn't Can't even like it. it. You are it talking was... to two of the gentiliest Gentiles, and you went with Hala Potato. Uh, you didn't give me a King's Hawaiian roll. You didn't give me. You didn't give me a, a Kaiser roll. You gave me. <laughs> the worst part about it, though, is usually, like, if I make a joke like that, there's a look of, like, disappointment, which feeds my soul. But I didn't <laughs> get disappointment. Just you? <laughs> you looked. It was nothing. It was blank. It was, Jace, are you dumb? And I was like, oh, maybe I am dumb. No, 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 no. I was <laughs> doing my face. The way it should have read is, like, when Jeff says Abed you're a computer scan your mainframe and I was like 1995 Hercules anime was there a was there a joke about roles in that movie that I don't, I'm just like matrix code 
eyes like unfolding before my eyes. But that's what I saw. That was the most disappointing part because instead uh, of it a, being a gay. Uh, Wanna buy a sundial? Someone call IXII. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Express credit card. If you had Danny DeVito. Candles. <laughs> if you had anything Woods. but holla, there's a chance I got it. Okay. But you said holla and potato, and I was like. Holla at potatoes? What does it have to do with fucking Hercules? Okay, there. Guess, what? If you want me to leave, I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. You have to stay here. Uh, this is our curse we share. So. Um, I was. And uh, we talk about the good place. The good uh, place. Yes. yes. I'm sorry. Oh I well, just one thing. I did. I did a. I put down some <laughs> Vegas odds as to if I could type in "Holla at your boy." into google <laughs> that there would I, be i think i just threw up in my mouth a little bit <laughs> there would be a music video i i was close i would have lost the vegas odds there is there are many t-shirts you can buy that say holla oh, yeah. holla support um and then there is an episode of beat bobby flay where i assume shut they up. make collar bread <laughs> shut up so and and that episode not that oh, people know the titles of beat bobby flay episodes but yeah. <laughs> that is the title of that episode well the more you know speaking of the more you know the good place the um, good place and they say it gets colder <laughs> okay um, uh, i just jace i wanted you Jewish to women feel good back girl Oh my god jace i wanted uh, you to feel good uh, about yours so i did a worse one no but there's <laughs> that oh, that makes me feel worse about mine because it wasn't even a like oh you know it wasn't like a soul crushing like how just dare you no reaction just blank like does not compute <laughs> oh my god also Caleb that video sounds simultaneously fabulous and terrifying it's not great but it's <laughs> for a couple seconds and then yeah. swiftly hit the eject button else your brain melts slowly and I, painfully. I'm pretty sure it's like, you know, I, not having seen this video, I have a feeling that after the first 10 seconds, you go, oh, I get this. Okay. Basically. Basically. <laughs> basically. It's that like was, if you uh, want to watch you... a rendition of, like, a song that's absolutely not G-rated being sung at a church. Sure. And you're, like, a verse in, and you're like, cool, I don't need this. I'm glad I experienced whatever it was, but I'm done now. It's um, kids bop taking anything. Y'all are. Um, I can deal with kids bop to a point because it's for kids. But the, sure. when it's like, when you turn WAP into a song about Jesus, <laughs> we got words we gotta speak. Cause, when uh, your ass pastor. When ass pastor. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so the good place let us please because if we can just do the good place we can too many get holy to spirits okay, in this okay. house too many holy spirits in this house <laughs> okay i'm sorry i must it's stop. A, it, in fact it's holy ghost in this house oh oh i could yeah. okay if i wanted to really pivot <laughs> I could I could kill as a Christian parody music artist. <laughs> I could fucking I could slay. Okay, um, but and we speaking and of three, that, 
Yeah, the three of us are in a very special mental place right now, and I um not not to prolong our ep- uh, uh, discussion of one of the great community episodes, but the fact that the two of you have both finished the good place simply must be discussed. Uh, spoilers ahead for anyone uh, that hasn't viewed it yet. I'll include a time code in the description so you can skip over it. So I watched the Good Place episode like I don't know the day after it came out. Whenever, however many months ago that was, it truly feels like, like nine months ago. ago. It was before yeah. quarantine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pre-quarantine. So like, imagine what your brain was like then. Um, and I have seen reactions really far on both sides i've seen people that hated it and i have seen people like myself that were just a hopeless crying wreck at the end what was the motivation behind hating it that means it wasn't funny enough I it think they think you feel things I don't like feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, you know, if you are presenting now, uh, you could argue that if you've gotten through four seasons of The Good Place, you could maybe expect uh, uh, a certain uh, expectation of this show questioning the sense of existence. But perhaps, you know, the the main criticism I saw is like these, you know, twelve sitcom writers didn't solve the nature of existence, and I'm like, all right. Yeah, uh, but they also kind of did. <laughs> I, I would, also, did. I would like fully did. disagree with that. I don't think I think that th- there is a, not that there is a way to solve the meaning of a question that we don't know what the question is, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> someone's some real what's deep the answer, and somebody yeah. goes, "What's the question?" And they're like, "Fuck you, man! You should know the answer already." You know, you spitting some sense. Douglas Adams shit at me right now. Oh, you are. <laughs> You're coming at me with some Douglas Adams nonsense. I do love Doug. Oh, I I fuck with Doug. The relationship with philosophy and jokes is very real. There's actually a great book for anybody that's interested in philosophy. I forget the writers. I'm so sorry. They're two professors. It's called Plato and a Platypus Walk into a Bar. Uh, and it's explaining okay. philosophy through jokes. It's fabulous. It's a really great book if you're, in, if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're into um, that kind of shit. Yeah, but basically, this finale was so... Very petty. <laughs> Kevin just turned into fucking Plankton. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it was Plankton, but like Plankton approves. You know, I think uh, yeah. that was... that was. Uh, I'm starting a new How meme. How do we keep going to these freaking Nicktoons when we're trying to talk I'm starting a new meme, but it's like a a vintage, like, 2009 meme where it's, like, positive plankton. (laughs) Positive plankton. I was talking about that literally today, just like how, so, the kids these days, the kids these days, right now, (laughs) the kids these days, okay, the kids these days got no pudding. (laughs) God, oh no. Y'all see oh, that mugshot? No. <laughs> no. Y'all see Bill Cosby's mugshot? This is what happens when the blood of the young is taken off of your menu. Go on. God. But literally, uh, we were talking about how, like, so kids now know what, like, RAR XD is, right? Do, do I don't. Neither I the kids do because I don't. I don't. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> we're oh, never going to talk about the good place. Well, let's go no. on. But like, okay, yo, I'm not alone in this. I can't be the only scenester. Were y'all not scene kids? Of course you weren't. I'm black. Of course I wasn't. <laughs> I'm lame. Of course I wasn't. I was so Sorry, uncool. I'm black and grew up in the Midwest. Of course okay. I wasn't. 
<laughs> no, like, <laughs> so, like, there was this whole thing, like, 2000s, where, like, just, like, the idea, it was, like, rar means I love you in dinosaur. Like, this whole thing, it was, like, this cutesy, like, I can't okay. even describe it. This non-ironic use of this ultra-cute kind of pre-kawaii kawaii vibes right mm-hmm. and like that was this whole thing and now like kids know what like raw is but it's purely ironic and it's just i was talking to my roommate about how like if you were to put up in front of like a young zoomer like a really young zoomer right not like a me like cuspy zoomer but like a young zoomer and be mm-hmm. like show them the original i can has cheeseburger meme they'd be like what the fuck is this what is this weak-ass shit? You know, these kids are yeah, on black tar heroin memes, and you're like, want a toke, kid? And they're like, I'm well beyond toke. It's truly I'm Steve Buscemi. So What's that? Like, how do you do, fellow children? How do you do, fellow, fellow kids? Yeah, um, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I if I pulled out a bad luck <laughs> Brian meme with its, like... The when memes used to have only like triangular two color backgrounds, mm-hmm. sure. and he when would they just have like meme text. Yeah, yeah um, top text bottom text. It's so funny too because it like the top text bottom text meme format was like a thing for so long, and then right when it stopped being a thing, every company that tried to market to people started using top text bottom text formatting, and it was like, no, you're literally a decade too late. You've As it should past be. That. As it should be. Thank God. Uh, Can you imagine a company, any company, specifically a company large, keeping up with meme culture? The closest we have to that are the like company Twitter accounts where like Wendy's, it's Wendy's, Wendy's it's is Wendy's. like, I'm so sad today. <laughs> okay, and like but that's we haven't not in Wendy's. They hire a freaking child. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. Like, it's not the CEO of Wendy's. <laughs> Yeah, Wendy's social media manager is like 53 years old, and you're like, oh, he's a student of the world. No, no, literally... We haven't like invented terms for the disorders that will come from being like publicly owned by Wendy's in the town square. <laughs> Just like, when you get so owned so hard by moon you pies that you delete your Twitter account. <laughs> Uh, we will have to expand the 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 journals, uh, the medical journals for these. But, <laughs> we're gonna, sooner or later, we're going to get the DSM six. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's C two DSM corporate confidence uh, deflation disorder. Hey, that's pretty corporate. Good. Corporate what? <laughs> corporate confidence deflation disorder. C two D two. Is that a real thing? No, I just made it up. But it's going to be a real thing. Good. <laughs> It is now. But in short, in short, I loved the end of The Good Place. I thought that it was uh, effectively a really great way of taking, like, they they had a real, you're doing an entire show about death and you have managed to escape this kind of, like, these, like, headier topics, these more scary topics, these touching topics. And they managed to kind of wrap, because they took a show that every time a season ended, you were like, what the hell are they going to do next? How are they going to do this next? <laughs> how could this like, show possibly continue? Like, how could they, like, what else is there to freaking write? And they somehow make it up. And they were like, they were like, yeah, we man. literally can't do anything else. So they did an, a double, double length episode. I thought it was executed really well, really touching. Um, hit just the right existential note for me to make me lose my shit. <laughs> uh, Weeping. Yeah. Weeping at um, in the morning. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, fuck that show. (laughs) But only because that show made me feel things. The last, like, three days has been legitimately hard. 
to like not think about that show. I don't know. There's a lot of things that like added. I'm absolutely writing something about this um, because the last like three years and like three games that I've completed, two games that I've completed in this show have all really helped me like figure out how to cope with the death of someone that was really close to me and my, my grandfather a couple years ago. And so like the end of this show was just like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Like literally the beginning of the last episode when just when Jason is like, oh, I was like, oh, fuck. They're going to do this for everybody. Yeah. Oh, fuck. They're going to do this for everybody. So I, like, knew it in the moment and still wasn't able yeah. to set myself up for, like, the the picture of wave scene, which fucking decimated me. Just, like, <sighs> trembling on my couch oh, decimated yeah. me. And the Spiegel and Spiegel that's playing in the background, which is, like, one of the most contemplative and, like, somber and beautiful songs I've ever listened to. And, like, that started playing, and I was like, oh, God. And then picture a wave and i was like oh god and even after that they're like none of this is bad yeah uh yeah and this it, is as it should be right the thing like, that blew my mind was the, way, the fact the that they managed to make like death in death like that was the thing yeah you that... a second ago said that like they did away with death and i was like but they super didn't no <laughs> that, they like, doubled, that death. double death what? two dead right. you're eventually There's actually the... dead yeah. right exactly and it's like one of those things where it's it's it it was wild because you're spending this whole time talking about the afterlife and you don't understand the gravity of what death is just yeah i mean it i i didn't really expect them to go that route to be like hey like you get to move because i mean yeah i just it 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 makes it exist it structurally also forces the entire show to exist in this really insular little what's the um the 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 dot of the eye and the jeremy bury me it's all right there it's all it's tuesdays and also july yeah. <laughs> and also, it's never. And then he goes, yes, sometimes this is the place where never, never happens. And then Chidi goes, all right, this broke me. <laughs> <laughs> this broke the time knife? The time knife? Oh, Chidi, what's that actor's name? Uh, William uh, Michael... Jackson Harper. Yeah. He, I saw recently that he, that, about his experience with, like, imposter syndrome on that show. And he... Homie, the show's on your shoulders, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what an unbelievable performance from a great character. Like This dynamic character that goes through these monstrously, just like, just moves and develops and changes, but it's all justified and you feel it and you, you, it's all right where it should be. It's touching, it's funny, it's relatable, it's disturbing it's exciting it's oh i just like it's just an like, acting masterclass this was jamil's first show like what first acting. like what right. everybody oh obscene you know Kristen bell and ted danson the two biggest pros in the history of tv like no one has done more tv than those two and they kill it the whole time the whole time and the, yeah. it's what is the the actor that plays jason because he also... Oh, Manny, Manny Jacinto? Yeah. yeah. He, Manny has a direct line to my freaking funny bone. Like, I can't so explain funny, it. Dude. Oh, like, dip. Oh, dip. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, going through, I remember, first of all, this is also one of the few shows that upon it completing season one, I immediately went, and I'm watching all of that again. Uh-huh. I think I've watched Sick. season one three times. Because, uh-huh. like, I was like, oh, shit. 
they really just did No Exit way better than No Exit ever was. For those of you who don't know what No Exit is, it's an <laughs> awesome play by, uh, oh, shoot, uh, uh, who wrote No Exit? Oh my god, I, I don't deserve my Jean-Paul Sartre? Sartre. <laughs> Jean-Paul Sartre. Yeah, they, they accomplish that. There was, I think... I, I can pretty confidently say The Good Place was the best show of each of the four seasons that it aired. There was no show on TV that was doing anything better than The Good Place was doing itself. No. Um, the only Absolutely. show that comes close for me in the last few years is maybe Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, which was also which just like... Which vibe. Completely different vibe. And like, you know, I loved that one season of Watchmen, etc. There were other good shows. But... Right, but Watchmen is its own... It, again, you you can't... It's not TV, it's HBO. <laughs> but it is TV. It's not an episode. It's TV. TV. No, I know. <laughs> HBO can keep saying that all they want. It's TV. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Some HBO marketing manager's like, guys, what if we told them it's not TV? And they were like, ah, yeah, what are the We're the places? home box office. But I think, you know, there. I'm not saying that everyone that didn't like the finale is working on this same plane, but the, the finale of The Good Place is a complete ego death, right? It's this idea that, like, you are only how you affect other people, and eventually your story must end. Every conception of the afterlife that we have is ego-driven, right? Whether it's... Mm. The Christian heaven where I will continue to live on, my good deeds will be rewarded, or my bad deeds will come back to haunt me, or the idea of, like, reincarnation, that, like, you will continue to exist. And the the ultimate, like, thesis statement of the good place being that, no, you really must give up yourself for the sake of everyone else, and that's good. That's how it should be. This is how we should operate in this cooperation. And I... Beautiful. Just like one of the most beautiful shows I've ever seen in my whole life. So the last last season for me did like four things. Like this show was writing out of my brain basically. So I had like four big issues that like the last season really approached for me. Which were like, oh shit. Okay, cool. One is one that's like, if heaven's literally everything's great, that's going to get boring. That's what I thought I've had for years. Like, if everything is perfect, the only reason why good things are good is because they can be contrasted with the bad. So if everything's perfect, like, it's going to suck eventually. So that show absolutely addressed that. The first moment they get to the good place and the council's gone, everyone's like, I don't remember anything because I'm so fucking happy in quotation marks. I don't fucking care. Right. Um, And then the realization that, like, the idea of heaven and hell being decided by a person that's not someone who's interacted with you while you were here on Earth has always been weird to me. And then, like, add on top of that, that, like, this planet does not afford many people time to be good enough that you can be sure you're going to get to heaven. Like, this planet is unfair. And, like, an unfair battleground cannot be used for the most fair judgment. And I don't get that. And they basically point that out. They're like, Earth is too fucking hard for people to get enough points to, like, actually make it there. So what if we made Earth the fucking placement test? And then you got to, like, 
see if you were going to do anything with that in the afterlife. Like, making the afterlife the fair place first, and then yeah. giving you whether you're going to go to the good or bad place based on whether or not you actually were worth shit at all. Um, as we noticed the dude from that's introduced in season four, the awful <laughs> fucking... The- Country club, uh, dude. Capitalist. I don't country club douchebag. Yeah. The, ca- yeah. the capitalist. He's like, yes. why can't I tell somebody? The, the capitalist. Why can't I tell somebody to smile, even if it will actually make them look better? Like, fuck, dude. So that's what is that? Is that two things so far? Um, unfair planet, unfair afterlife. So two, and then fucking heaven sucking, and then the yeah. last one was that like the idea of like even if the afterlife is makes you work for it and you get there eternity is not fun it can't be because yeah. like part of what makes life the best thing is the fact that it, we all know it ends and like knowing it ends means that we like attribute value to things that we do we will all think about when we are older we will all have a moment where we think about all the things that we've done and this podcast will be one of those things and these conversations will be one of those things because our time is limited and if our time is unlimited then all those things get shuffled into a Rolodex and nobody looks at their fucking Rolodexes. They just go in their phone to their quick dial. Like, making it a thing that was, like, cool. So you're here, you can do whatever you want, but as soon as your soul is finished, as soon as your soul's like, that's all I wanted to do, then, like, you'll know. And then it's, you'll just, it's time to go. Like, what else do you have to do? And, like, I love that it's not like a, you're gonna die. It's not like a, you don't know when it's gonna happen. It's a, when you're content... And yeah. just give it back to the universe. It's fascinating. It takes the idea of death with make by making one tiny change changes the entire way that you can feel about it, and that is you're in control, right? So like, yeah, like for the, us, death is something side, yeah. outside of our control, and that's terrifying for some, you know. And you, you the, the struggle is finding peace with that. But then there's this idea of like, okay, but like when you're in control, when you get to choose. That's a blissful thing. It's it, it, there's some really cool reformatting and re and re like reframing, not reformatting, reframing of tricky stuff in it. And I just I don't know. I also my radical side also loved um, how they basically without saying it said like there's no such thing as ethical consumption <laughs> under late stage capitalism. capitalism. Right? Yeah. yeah it's like you so... can't. It's not. It's not possible. The system does Confirmed. not allow you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, it's you still network notice... TV, so they can't really say it outright. But you know, they basically did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, did y'all notice that uh, all the people, all the characters, ended up becoming who they were supposed to be when they got to the good place the first time? Mm-hmm. Chidi was actually a well-renowned moral philosopher who did good for the universe. Eleanor was actually a good person who spent her life dedicating it to helping other people get through shit or get what they wanted. Jason was Jason a actually fuck, monk. Jason actually became a fucking monk at the end. He just sat around for like a thousand eternities just like in a forest. I did not nature. realize that. That's wild. Yeah. Michael was actually an architect of the good place before he became a human. Which were the yeah. two things he wanted to do. Yeah. And then Tahani, and Tahani was a celebrity who thought that she was doing all that she did to help other people but was doing it for herself and she actually became a person that built tests to help other people through the afterlife yeah right they all became who they showed up for the good place supposedly be it's my it's my favorite kind of story it's the stories that like speak the most to me is like human cooperation is the only way we're going to make it through this like that is the that is our sole lifeline and life preserver is like 
helping each other and doing it because helping is the correct thing to do. And like the show we talk about every week is less direct in that thesis, but really like underlines that largely built on. Yeah, 100%. it's built on like yeah. we are a community, a mutual cooperation of people, and we do not see eye to eye on everything. But if we don't work together to make things better for everyone, then we're failing everyone. And right, it's, yeah. and we're just the mean click. God, it's the yeah. fucking the fucking Spider Man quote too, right? The like, if you can, if you have the power to do something and you don't, when bad things happen, it's your fucking fault, right? Yeah, so like if we have the ability to actually impact change and it's, help people, it's, and if we don't do that, and bad shit happens, it's our yeah. fault. It's it's being complicit. I mean, even to tie it down directly to like a real life thing, you know, when we talk about doing the anti racism work that has been recently gotten a big, you know, increase in publicity, if you will. It's not that it's a new mm-hmm. struggle or a new journey, but um it's being you talked about more frequently. Huh? With <laughs> anti racism, it's like if you don't do anything, you're contributing, right? Be, you, doing nothing is being complicit. You know, if you do nothing in the face of injustice, you are contributing to that injustice. And right. it's 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 hard to kind of bring that into a like to be able to relate to that, to bring that into that interpersonal that that you know personalizing it, being able to go, oh, I feel this myself. You know, not just feel like someone's putting it on me but to be able to see it in other characters and go oh that's me empathy you know <laughs> what yeah. shocking right yeah. it's it's wow wow this is a, chaos theory <laughs> chaos theory. yo like this episode's perfect for this episode sorry yeah go ahead go ahead no go this is this. i mean this is the perfect episode to talk about this because this episode perfect. is literally a thesis on how human beings impact each other and, mm-hmm. and continue to affect each other's lives but this is of course advanced community studies a podcast where we watch the american col- television comedy community one or two episodes at a time we are the premier podcast of the yahoo screen podcasting network first and only <laughs> <laughs> uh i am one of your hosts tv's kevin lanigan and pizza pizza in my tummy me so hungry me so hungry <laughs> thank you for that i i really that was that was lovely hey everybody what's up i'm jace i use they them pronouns and today the gender i feel most connected to because let's be honest it does change is norwegian troll <laughs> i just i'm a tiny spooky creature you know untempt hair <laughs> I live Looking in a box. Deep your soul, that's accurate. I'm You can <laughs> only defeat me by eating me. <laughs> These nothing you have said is false, Kevin. <laughs> uh, and I'm daddy host. Uh, Caleb is what my family calls me. It's my government name. Uh, but on this podcast, uh, I'm known as the Negro Problem. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Caleb! Warn us! Hey, we're uh, talking for about our listeners, for episode. our listeners, Caleb can say that. Caleb can say that. <laughs> for for our case anyone's... Kevin and I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that, but Caleb can, and I just want... I just, just Troy, Troy and I Troy and I can say that, so I, I'm yes. just... 
Yes. My God. <laughs> and both of y'all's souls fucking jumped out of your chest. You were like, I didn't fucking expect you to do that. My white guilt is doing somersaults. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines. It's one of my favorite lines of this episode. What is, it's what really is that good. Context? What's, it's, when they, that it's, when, it's when Britta and Annie walk in and they're saying oh. weird shit. Um, and they're like, we know not to talk about well, yada yada with things. We know not to talk about certain things like touchy uh, subjects, like the touchy Negro subject, problem, like the Negro problem. And, like, what? and then Abed's like, our book was from the fifties or some shit like that. <laughs> and they're like, okay. yeah. great. Which is why they have a. She's like, is this a bowl of olives in the bathroom? Troy's like, it's, it's a, a fancy, fancy party. party. <laughs> God, oh, Troy, Troy so and Britta Troy in the bathroom has such an exceptional uh, run of jokes, including a perfect, perfect piece of physical comedy where Donald Glover says, I know what you're doing. I'm, I'm an adult. Takes out a candy cigarette, puts it in his mouth. Britta goes to light it and he just eats it without a bag. <laughs> a perfect piece of physical comedy. It is perfect. It is, oh my god, this is, this is, mm, I love Troy and Abed so much, you know, everybody who's listened to this for more than one episode knows that they're my favorites, (laughs) but literally this moment right here where he's like, I said I was gonna quit, you know, and he's tapping. (laughs) Wrong time to quit. (laughs) Wrong time to quit. And then with that also, there's this beautiful look in his eye of just he puts it in his mouth and he stares kind of blankly like he's deep in thought. And then it's like a rabbit eating a carrot, just the way that it kind of bounces as he, oh, oh, like, oh, like the man, oh, oh man, prowess that is encapsulated by Donald Glover. I just I just mm, so good. Gonna so, break some ground here. Donald Glover. Very funny man. What? <laughs> Very funny man. This is ground here, and I was like, "Oh, all right, a hot take season." And you're like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cash in with a fucking the facts." Oldest, so- coldest take that I've known since like so 2007 when I was watching like Derek man. comedy on YouTube, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, "Man, this guy's fucking funny." <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would genuinely kill someone to get another Donald Glover stand-up. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I would no. probably go to jail for it. Apparently, it, he's done making music now. No, he, I think he, he no. I think he said that, but I also heard that he's going to release another one. Who knows? He's going to leave us in a complete. I don't know what's happening next. I saw him do a show in 2018 when he said this was his last tour, and then his album came out. Was that earlier this year? And uh, uh, straight up, I know two songs that aren't on that album. I have them recorded on my phone from that show <laughs> that aren't on that album. So, like, maybe he's making more music, or maybe he but just he made also music for tour about, like, and is launching it into the void. I don't maybe, fucking... I think he's also talked... He's also someone that talks about, like, the importance of experiencing the moment in the moment. And so I wouldn't put it past Donald Glover to have songs that were exclusively for the tour and nobody else gets sure. them. To just sure. have them be a moment in time, like going to see a Broadway show. It's like, yeah, you can listen to the cast album. Yeah, you can read the script. But seeing it, being there, it's its own thing. And I think th- I, that might be his way of, I don't know, saying, like, I, time, you're my bitch. I don't know. Like, you, you yeah. know what I mean? I hate that I just said that. Cut that out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. That's staying in. You have to uh, live with it. 
Donald Glover should do literally whatever he wants, and I'm like, cool. You want to get into book writing, Donald? I'll buy it. You know, like, whatever you want to do is what you should do. So if you tell me music is done, I'm like, well, Awake My Love was, like, the best album <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, so good job on that one. Uh, if And if he's like, you know, Atlanta, two seasons, we're out. I'm like, damn, I will miss Atlanta. Okay, if that's what you say, <laughs> then that is what I will I'll I take believe. anything I can get. Exactly. So, like, yeah. whatever he says is correct is correct. Is and correct. I, I just go with it. Um, in other words, Donald Glover is God. I said what I said. You can keep that quote in. Oh, okay, <laughs> the, first two, the first two letters of his first name and the last. Yeah, I was about to say, is his, his middle name, name O? Because otherwise, his initials would be God backwards, which that could be something. And let's be honest, God, if he could choose an animal, would probably choose a dog. So you know, so uh, I feel the love of God in every doggy kiss that graces my lips. <laughs> um, so, uh, before we fully segue into one of the big dog community episodes, I feel it is I feel it is my due diligence to thank uh, the good people of Twitter.com for going along with my bizarre campaign over the last week or so. Uh, because yesterday, as of this recording, was October 19th, which is not only a big day in the community fandom because of the big, like, October 19th ad, it is also... Gillian Jacobs' birthday. Uh, we, the, all the podcasts said we should watch an episode for, for Gillian's birthday, and we put it to a poll, and the poll was, like, Science of Illusion, the April Fool's episode from season one, uh, the Meow Meow Beans episode, where she becomes Che Guevara with mustard on her face, um, and I put forward Advanced Safety Features, which is the big Honda episode, where she, uh, and Rick start hucking Hondas, uh, and, Generally online, Community Season 6 does not have a sterling reputation, which I think is felonious. That's a great season. Um, and I was like, no, we're going to get advanced safety features to the top and campaigned for days. And like, we moved that needle and we did watch that episode yesterday. And that's because everyone went along with my dumb shtick. So I just want to thank everyone for that before, nice. Nice. before we stumble into... No, uh, what might be the best have community? All episode. this power. <laughs> I've tried to move the needle before. I can't. I think we were talking about like what episodes we watch for like Craig Kakowski's birthday, and I was always going to lose to conspiracy theories and interior design. Uh, but mm. I did campaign hard it's for basic thing. email security, where everyone's emails are are hacked. Oh my um, god! And I got to second place for that one. Uh, but for wow. advanced safety features. Y'all got together with me for some reason, and we moved from way in last to tied for first. <laughs> and I mean, so we watched it yesterday. The episode's um, great. It's a great episode. It's really it has Brewster's, Patrick Brewster's yes. approach of <laughs> the dean is one of the most excellently acted. Just a top dynamic. five community moment for me. Not I can't truly. ask you any questions truly. that don't end with idiot. And also, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Honda. The power of dreams. Dean Pelton, I know how susceptible you are to advertising. Would you say I'm a level seven susceptible? No, because why would I? Because that's Moon Man talk. You mentioned a new kid earlier who told you about the new Honda Fit. Rick. Britta's boyfriend? Yeah, but he's not. No, he's a good man. And he wouldn't secretly be working for Honda because when we first met, he was secretly working for a completely different company. 
Are you? I, I don't know how to. I have a rule about being constructive, so I can't ask any questions right now because all of the questions that I have right now are rhetorical and they end with the word idiot. Do you know what a rhetorical? No, of course you know what that is. You're an idiot. Oh. I'm sorry. I am so sorry, but you're so stupid. You have no idea. And you're the only one who has no idea because guess why? Don't answer that, you'll get it wrong. Oh, so dumb. You're just a dumb little man who tries to destroy this school every minute. I am sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, just not to go too far back, but I I, I kept seeing October, October 19th, right? Yes. Gillian's birthday. Yes. But there's also another important meaning in the show? Community history lessons with Kevin. And I open up my ba- I unfurl my scroll. The original premiere date for season four was mm-hmm. October 19th. And very shortly before that, NBC announced, no, we're bumping community until fucking february and this was also the season where dan Harmon was gone so people were like what is the future of this show like is this gonna be any good when we finally get it but they released this big ad that i used as like the teaser for this show on the podcast feed where all the community cast are in it and they're like october 19th isn't a date it's a feeling on a warm summer's day when you feel the kiss of of the sun that's october 19th uh, you know, and, and it was this, it's funny. It's like a minute and a half. I'd recommend, uh, watching it if you have a second. And so that became much like six seasons and a movie. It just became like this bit of iconography within the fandom in the same way that like Trekkies will celebrate James T. Kirk's birthday, you know, just like whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's just, that's why that's a significant date, uh, for community folks. Gotcha. That makes sense. That, that actually makes sense. And wow. so now, 45 <laughs> minutes into pressing record, let's get into <laughs> season three, episode four, Remedial Chaos Theory, directed by Jeff Melman, written by Chris McKenna. Uh, in this episode, Troy and Abed have a housewarming party, and a simple roll of the die creates seven different timelines and we see each and every one of them and this should be a a, a nonsense episode this should not make (laughs) any sense this should be obnoxious to like keep seeing the same beats repeated over and over again but it is in fact one of the most finely crafted pieces of TV I've ever it's seen in my entire brilliant. life. <laughs> it's, I think it's so exciting also just I think that they really nailed the episode release order this season too because of going from the um, the Model UN episode where we start to get a little bit of an idea that Abed is fully aware of multiverse and like the idea that in the, in the whole question, but what does it say about free will and the idea that any small change would cause, you know what I mean? Like that kind of just the way that that set this episode up so brilliantly without having to like talk about this episode i don't know it's it's they managed to kind of foreshadow this episode and it's a really fun thing now when looking back to be like ah that's right there's this whole thing where they roll and die oh my god it's so exciting <laughs> it's so exciting also my favorite fun fact about this episode is the fact that they blew their enti- basically their entire music budget on roxanne and that's why they play that uh what's that song called something daybreak <laughs> daybreak that's for, why they play it like the every red. other episode 
Yeah, you right. can watch them in these first four episodes between Lionel Richie's Hello and Roxanne by the Police. Just <laughs> take a Looney Tunes dynamite plunger and just blow up <laughs> the music Completely budget. obliterate their budget. Um, so, they, so they have to make Daybreak last for the entire rest of the season. This, Roxanne was even paid for out of pocket by Dan Harmon and Chris McKenna. Like, they didn't even have this in the budget. They forked over the $15,000 or whatever to Sting to, like, use this song. <laughs> I just... I, what What is it? I mean, of course, it's a brilliant song choice. And, I mean, obviously it's the right song choice. But I'm curious as to what the reasoning behind why it needed to be this song was. Because, I mean, it's obviously the right choice when watching it. But was there a logical reason behind it like what is that is it just because like of course britta freaking listens to sting in the police and knows the words to roxanne while she's stoned out of her mind right because she's uh also much like sting she is a blonde stoner <laughs> did no. you just saw um, lyric no it does sound like a sing stong lyric I, there I is you were doing that thing that you do a, you a, said a sing stong lyric and a sting I stong love lyric. it it is uh, to use. I'm accidentally sounding very clever when I'm when I simply am not. Uh, but there is there is, it's a, a tiny little uh, uh, tidbit. There is a documentary about the making of Emperor's New Groove that Disney uh-huh. does not want you to see called The Sweatbox about how hard it was to make that movie and how Sting was supposed to do a bunch of original songs for the movie and he had to rewrite all of them like six different times as they changed what the movie was and there's this moment where sting is they're on the phone with sting and sting is like i'm going to the himalayas i may return (laughs) (laughs) emperor's new groove almost (laughs) caused sting to leave american (laughs) civilization forever incredible Uh, Uh, i I did not leave being an english teacher for this yeah exactly uh, and I wrote a song about how horny all the girls were for me when I was an English teacher. Great job, Sting. Uh, this episode is not about Sting. Is it, though? Is it, though? Could I secretly put together a web that proves this episode is a thesis about Sting's musical catalog? If, could I, if our podcast could I... has taught me anything, it's that if you ask yourself a question, Kev, it's because you know you can fucking do it. So I'm gonna pull a line from I'm gonna pull a line from the office right now when the owner of Saber is looking at <laughs> Dwight Sombra? trying to justify that he hasn't shot the floor and say, Stop asking yourself easy questions so you can make yourself look like a genius. <laughs> here now you've set me up for incredible failure because the real issue here is that I do not like Sting or the police and so I don't know enough to to put this Pepe wow, Sylvia Kevin, web together. I don't like the police either. I fucking hate them and his dumb like <laughs> not his Britta hates them too. I hate cops. <laughs> Look, I hate cops. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> All police are bastards. That's including you, Sting. <laughs> yeah, you fucker. I have not. I don't know anything about Sting personally. <laughs> it's a Broadway musical called The Last Ship. There's some jaunty tunes in there. Okay. You like uh, sea shanties? Go for it. I, like, I fucking I, love sea shanties. Do yeah, not check, threaten me with a good time. No, I will truly, take check out. Check out the last. The, the last ship. Um, there's a song that uh, is just amazing called. Uh, 
I believe the full title is If You Ever See Me Talking to a Sailor. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Check it out. It didn't do great on Broadway, but, like, Sting wrote a musical. And quite frankly, now we know if Sting, the police, and you two went up against each other for writing musicals, we know who wins. The audience. The audience. (laughs) The audience. For those of you, stupid. Did y'all get that? That was a. Did, you, did y'all get a Spider-Man that turn, off, turn the off the dark? Okay, cool. Let's see. Uh, yeah, you two has written a Broadway musical. Sting, Steve Martin. I was like Sarah Bareilles. You said you two has written. I was like, but I. Ha nope. ha! You two Alanis. has written a Broadway musical. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Did she rearrange those songs, or is it just a jukebox musical of no, hers? So, so uh, Tom Kitt. No, Tom Kidd or is it Brian Yorkie? Tom Kidd and Brian Yorkie are the duo that did um, Next to Normal, which is a fabulous show. Um, what and then, you just did? <laughs> to get back to the police briefly, right. um, I haven't I haven't read anything about why they would specifically choose this song uh-huh. for this episode, but I think it is pretty much the perfect song for this moment, even though I am not. Crazy oh, it absolutely it, you know? is. I have no idea why. It's infinitely singable. Like, everyone knows the chorus of Roxanne, so everyone can get up together and sing. But, like, I don't know. That song's not really about anything. It's about, like, a. you don't have to be a... Like, the Flight of the Concord saying, you don't have to be a prostitute. Yeah. And, and <laughs> oh, that's so exactly it, what it is. <laughs> it's exactly what Britta would put on, like the iPod shuffle. Um, wow. It's it's a song they can all sing together. And like every good time loop story, the filmmakers find visual and audio cues to let us know every single time the timeline is restarting. It's all the best yeah. ones have a moment. You know, in Groundhog Day, it's... Uh, I got you, babe, on the radio, and uh, in Russian Doll, they have a song that plays every time the timeline restarts. Um, I forget Palm Springs, but Palm Springs has one as well. Like they all learned the same lesson: is that if you have a great audio cue, even more than a visual cue, we will know exactly. Okay, the timeline has restarted. the The buzzer rings. We have the close up of their apartment call box. And then we're very shortly going to... And then Jeff says, like, starting on my left with one, your number comes up, you go. And that is how our brain very quickly learns, got it, new timeline. Understood. (laughs) Yeah. Because we get a cute little graphic when we are entering a new timeline. Uh But we don't get it when we're exiting one. Yeah. Uh, They just do a hard cut to the buzzer. It's great. It's really, it's really, it's so good. It's so good. I also, this, it, I, for some reason, I can't shake the image of Britta kind of doing that weird, like, pop run thing. <laughs> that she yeah, does. It's her, it's her pizza, pizza, me so hungry in my time. Her yeah, bow-legged dance when she hungry and very, very is, high. This is the big pivot for me at, in Britta's, like, character development where we're like, oh, now we get to see, like, the weird side of Britta, right? She's finally opened up with this crew, yeah, and this sure. is the episode where we see it. And you're like, oh, 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 that's who Britta? Oh, that's who Britta She is. feels comfortable enough mm-hmm. now around all of these people to just be the biggest dork in the entire world. I love yeah, it. I love it. it so much. It's, it's beautiful. Um, I remember watching this episode 
live for the first time, like in a uh-huh. room full of community fans. And we didn't, like, look up the episode synopsis of what tonight's episode was going to be beforehand. So, like, every time this happens, you just, like, look to the people next to you and, like, are you seeing, like, are you seeing what they're doing right now? Is this happening on TV right now? Uh, The wildest shit. That great, like, communal watching experience. Yeah. Remember that? To do it. (laughs) Barely at this point. (laughs) I remember I having a it. party for E3 when Keanu Reeves came on stage and my entire living room erupting and it being incredible. And then this You're year... You're breathtaking! Like, You're oh. breathtaking! Oh, it was the best! It was the best! It was the best of times. That's it. End of it sentence. Was the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't the worst of times because we're in that now. Darkest timeline. Here we go. The yeah. darkest... Oh, the episode that gave us the terminology Dark. to describe what is happening... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like this was a zeitgeist shifting episode. This was, this was. Some would say a it's a poltergeist. Oh, whoa! I don't even know how to feel about that. Ass jokes. I'm full of dumbass jokes. That's how you feel about it. Go on, please. Hell yeah! I like it. I like it. Hey, at least we didn't just stare at you, not understanding your joke. Oh, come on, dude! You gotta <laughs> let me off the fucking hook for that. I just. <laughs> No, Listen, I'm actually, I'm at least I only drooled a little bit, okay? <laughs> I mean, it was not my fault, okay? Your your joke Jake's shot like, my brain from my head. At least we're still fucking here, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, hey, I'll make Both it up when I mess with your head later. fucking absconded from the podcast when I made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking my joke and I'm going home. <laughs> Hey, I'll, I'll just I'll get I'll get it back when I when I uh, sing the theme song later. Um, yeah, and you'll, I'm you'll confident hit it saying that now because I know you're still gonna forget by the time I do it that I'm gonna do it. Absolutely. I'm gonna write it down one of these days, and my watch is gonna be like, don't get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we never know how long we're gonna go before we actually start talking about the show. So next thing you know, if yeah, you do that, the phone's gonna go off in the middle of recording. Yeah, it's my alarm's gonna go off in the middle of the recording and, and, and be like, don't get fucked, and I'm gonna be like, what the fuck is why? This Mean. Why would my watch tell me not to get fucked? <laughs> and then it's gonna happen, and I'm gonna be like, oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I did some time. You know, now that we've talked about it, you might remember it, but I'm hoping you won't. So we shall see. <laughs> Wait, isn't this the episode that Troy also bakes a recipe where he takes he takes? Um, no, no, no. That's their first. Uh, ep- that's the first episode after their exile. Yeah, after the Greendale Seven are expelled. Uh, that is the my food. Uh, the pizza good. bagel casserole <laughs> with a Doritos glaze or whatever it is. You can oh, watch yeah. a YouTube video where fucking Binging, binging with, with Babish. We <laughs> love Andrew Ray. We folks, yeah, we does. love binging with uh, Babish, don't we, folks? We love binging. We love it, Babby. That dude, <laughs> Babby. Like. I hope that dude gives, like, 10% of his earnings to the creator of Bob's Burgers because he makes, like, every fucking burger I have they make book. on that show. I have his book. You have the book? I have the book, the Eat What You Eat What You Watch book that he did. It's it's great. It's so I much love fun. It. Also, he guy. just recently released a video, not to go too far off. Uh, there's been an episode that I've been... What's that mean? Wait, what? What's too far off mean? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, we never got on, so it's hard to get off. There's There's, there's been... There's... Hey, speak for yourself, buddy. Whoa, hey, for oh, <laughs> me so hungry. Did you, did you hear Jace hitch on his <laughs> on this next sentence? Sorry, they knew that we were gonna fucking make a sex joke about 
I was like, wait for it. She was like, wait, wait for it. I'll let them get this out because it, it needs to happen. Everyone's like, I can't do it. Let you get what out? Jesus. Okay. This is my nightmare. Anyway, this is this Thank is you. my nightmare. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> no, literally. Okay, but uh, when sorry, Vince please. Babbage started becoming like a bigger thing, I mean, I have been watching for a while, but like when it started to really gain some steam, which he deserves all of it. He is incredible. Steven Universe is my favorite show on the face of the planet, which I'm also you two haven't watched yet, have you? We will talk about it later. We will talk about it. I will turn this car around. We will talk about this later. But when it comes down to there is an episode uh, called Food Wars where Steven makes French fries with ketchup mm-hmm. inside the fries and he makes pizza bagels with cream cheese in the bagel underneath the pizza. And it, I, had, I was like, Babish, Andrew, come on. We want it. Homie. Fine. Did it. Homie. Yo. Oh, Baby, excuse me, bro. I'd like it if you did this video. <laughs> excuse me, bro. Excuse me. Excuse me, Baby. Baby. Excuse me, yeah, he did it. It's amazing. It's so good. Check him out. He's- you wrote a uh, Dear Babby letter. Uh, uh, that is a joke for all the 40-year-olds in our listening audience. Jake's just fucking detonated. Where, where did you go? Okay. <laughs> I just looked back at the camera. Chase is gone. I was worried you were lost forever. Kev, what the fuck did you do with Chase? Why did that? It's so hard. It knocked your fucking soul out of your body. You just broke it. You reacted to that the way the deed reacts to Jeff and aviators. (laughs) That's exactly what that was. Shadow. Shadow. <laughs> dare we, we try dare. to press it? <laughs> Sorry, um, Aaron. The so this it's okay. Uh, a- anyone can look up like a picture of them planning this episode, like all of the independent story circles that they made to try and piece all these disparate timelines together. And I I think about the daunting task of that, and I truly melt now, into a puddle. Imagine like, doing which, that while trying like, to make it fit Dan Harmon's story circle. Like, what and kind of... And also planning 21 other television episodes for this yeah. season. You know? Like, you yeah, how is this not the finale? How is this just not finale energy? Episode <laughs> four. Um, they were like, all right, here's the deal. We're going to come out the gate swinging. Alright, now people are maybe gonna, because I remember the first three episodes of this season. <laughs> he just dumped right out of that accent. He abandoned I the remember. sentence too. Uh, these three episodes were coming out and I was, like, there were good parts in all three, especially the first two. And then I, but I, there was this nagging sense in my body. I was like, is this show kind of like losing its thing? These episodes are kind of like casually cruel. It's really like testing my ability to like some of these characters. And then they hit you with fucking remedial chaos theory. They just like whip out a Bugs Bunny frying pan and just whap you upside the fucking head with it. And your head turns into the shape of a frying pan as your world is rocked. That, these, these... Oh, that's a fucking word yeah, picture, you're friend. Welcome. Uh, a word picture. St- hey, Kevin, you ever tried writing? <laughs> you know, I've dabbled. <laughs> uh, and uh, I also like watching cartoon shows on my exercise bike. I'm working. I like Looney Tunes uh, specifically. It's very good to watch <laughs> and to see. 
Um, but this, you know, they take all, there are these repeated elements that come at you again and again and again throughout the episode where it's like, okay, which timelines is Jeff going to hit his head? Is Shirley going to bake the pie? Is Britta going to do her pizza dance? Is Troy, or not Troy, Pierce going to bring up Eartha Kitt? Like there's all, uh, Jeff and Annie, are they going to be together in the sequence? And it's this beautiful like mosaic as these tiles slide in and out of each other and sometimes you get like a setup for something five timelines ago or you get a payoff that is a preamble to its own setup there's like all these disparate you can watch it so many times and find so many little things in it you know and some of the stuff they even set up in previous episodes like i was talking about before abed talks about the multiverse idea Mm -hmm. earlier in the season or last season. no the multiverse thing was two episodes ago at the model you like it's just yeah two episodes yeah and then even the yep. Eartha Kit thing, right? That's also, Pierce brings that up early this season, and it's like, it, it's disturbing then and disturbing every time it happens in this episode, but it's also a fun thing to be like, hey. hey. Can you imagine also, at the time this was released, streaming and binge watching wasn't really a thing, No, right? like, we are... So, like, these weren't made to be watched over and over yeah. again. So the fact that we get to is insane that there was the foresight to be like no make it so that if you can tell that they did it because it was fun for them right. to do it they were like i mean shit if we put a bunch of easter eggs it'll be yeah. fun and there for were us. still like dvds oh. like that was still when like tv shows made a decent amount of profit off dvd hold sales the hold the phone that the fuck is a dvd <laughs> it's a miniature <laughs> laser disc jason sure looked like you took me seriously for a second you no, said I knew- so fast the laser in your ps4 reads it uh, i honestly don't know how dvds work like, I know I put them in the thing and the thing happens, but if you ask me to explain the technology, I could never. Oh, I can tell you. I, if you want to. I can to. tell you. Yeah. So, one's in the, so, it's lasers, right? There's frequencies. They're real small waves, okay? Mm-hmm. Basically, okay. waves. But yes. hear me yeah. out. It's going to make sense. Mm-hmm. So, in grade, yes. so, you know how when you have, it's basically a, like a vinyl record, right? But... Compressed so, so, so freaking small that you can't use a tangible object to measure it. You have to literally use waves. Mm. So there's – for every one or a zero, there's either an indent or the lack of an indent, right, in the coding on the CD. And as it spins, there's a laser staying in the same place. And based on the reflection of the wavelength, because they're so insanely small, that it tells you – whether or not there's a one or a zero there. So imagine how a computer saves all this information. You've got your file saved. It's all ones and zeros, right? Kind of breaks your brain. That whole process of how ones and zeros can make an image, that's its own thing. I can't get into that. That's just like telling you each pixel has to be Hmm. this color and this, you know, that it's this whole, the the coding itself is bananas. But they take all that and they turn it into ones and zeros. They etch it onto a tiny, tiny disc and they make it so small, the only way you can read it is through a wavelength. That's why Blu-ray... Right, mm-hmm. came out and picture got that much better because they changed the color of the laser, which changed the wavelength of the laser, which meant that they could it brought it to a bluer wave, which meant that they could effectively, without getting into the physics of like how that affects wavelengths, but it meant that they could fit more bits of information in in less space because the blue wavelength could reflect back at a more efficient rate with smaller index. So there's more. It makes sense. (laughs) I said it like fucking Bill and Ted, but that was me going like, oh, 
Blu-ray. <laughs> I yeah. said it like I was joking, but but I wasn't. I'm just dumb. My mind. Dumb. I mean, this is. I mean, this is all the stuff that like. There's no, there's not really an effective reason for anybody to learn this other than being a massive freaking nerd. Just a big old dork. Yeah, and I do Day. appreciate. I was. I was. You know what? I was trepidatious about us getting onto this, but I did uh, learn something, and I appreciate the valuable service you've done for me. And I assume our listeners. And we all also now know that Kev's uh, baseline for allowing us to speak is if we're going to teach him anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I, do you uh, rank on my brain? No? We make Shut an up. evaluative judgment, you know? And are, am I going to learn something? If if not, want well, no part of it. Get out of here. <laughs> Education <laughs> only. Scooby-Doo, you can't tell blah. me what's new. I don't want to hear it. You know what, Scooby-Doo? I learned something every episode. Who was the carnival ghost? Why, it was Old Man Withers, and I've learned something here today. <laughs> you kind of sounded like uh, Lillard there for a second. Matthew Lillard? That's correct. Zoinks! Uh, the greatest performance uh, in a film, uh, perhaps of all time, Matthew Ill. Lillard as Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies, and I'm barely joking. <laughs> <laughs> barely so- kidding. So close to not joking, one could be forgiven for making the mistake. My God, watch one behind-the-scenes video of Matthew Lillard in the live-action Scooby-Doo movie where he's talking to a tennis ball on a stick and think about the life he's giving not only his character but the tennis ball on a stick. It's the it's the most astounding performance in the history of cinema. You can't, no one has interacted with a digital creation better than Matthew Lillard in the year of our Lord 2000. I mean, go watch, this watch was Phantom Menace. motion capture. It was watch, incredible. Yeah, it wasn't like, there was no Andy Circus in a little suit, so at least you're talking to a person. Think about how bad the interactions are in Phantom Menace one year before that Scooby-Doo movie. And think about how on game Lillard is in the year of our Lord 2000 it's unassailable and doing a voice and doing like monologues to no one because it's again a tennis ball on a stick he's the greatest actor in the history of cinema nothing but respect for my president for matthew lillard who has been every different version of hot it's un it's unbelievable it's it's genuinely unfair it's unfair he's been punk hot he's been stoner hot he's been dad hot I'm yep. personally angry. I'm upset. He makes <laughs> he makes serial killer hot. How? How? NBC's Hannibal uh, streaming now on Netflix. I want to point out how many people we can imitate on this podcast. <laughs> because yeah. it's if you like lapse for a second and go check something, all of a sudden Seinfeld's yelling about something, and you're like, well, "Where the fuck? <laughs> what the <laughs> damn hell?" That was a that was my decidedly awful sign impersonation <laughs> i'm much better at doing voices of people that don't actually exist if any if yeah. we can learn anything from remedial chaos theory it's that time is fake is that time is fake and jeff and annie shouldn't be together should uh, not <laughs> be together they should not they fuck it up immediately it's incredible it's incredible and this coming <laughs> two episodes after the model un episode which like made me think maybe jeff winger needs to go to jail uh, and then this happens, Which he and Annie's does. like, you remind me of my dad. And I was like, how could anyone... I... <laughs> Again, I'm not here to shame Jeff Annie Shippers. You know, everyone is entitled shame to their own I am, stuff. Shame on I you. am, I no, am, shame I am, I am. You are alone in that lack of shame. As the Jason cultural ambassador like, of that. the pod... Shame. 
as uh, the as I the will, as the cultural attaché to the fandom, I have to be impartial. But y'all can express your. Wait, I, your, I get it. Your, I get it. You're not supposed to yuck anybody's yum, but like yeah, sometimes I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum. yum. Sometimes your yums I, are be dumb. I will, be, I will yuck that yum. I just for me, mm, there's a, there's an, there's an expression right within <laughs> I love the queer community. Fucking the there's there's. <laughs> there is um there's an expression within the queer community and it's it's more so a question um and we know the answer but we still ask it all the time and it's are the straights okay <sighs> y'all i worry about the straights <laughs> are, are the stra- caleb can you tell us are the straights okay oh uh as a as a straight are man the who ostensibly okay. would like Basically, get down with whoever if it happened. I guess maybe, yeah. possibly. You know, know. we've we've oh, all I talked about Henry Cavill Jeff on this show. For a second there. Mm. I don't know, maybe. Uh, well, try maybe I could. Well, I don't know. But as somebody with uh, as somebody with um, mm-hmm. friends yeah, that are right. friends that are so straight, you could like cut yourself. Measure <laughs> so straight you could level a shelf on them. Yeah, yeah. There's friends that are so straight that like you could point them in a direction and just leave the planet. Um, <laughs> They're so straight that they think that Jeff and Annie is a good couple. Oh, that's not straight. That's ostensibly rich and white, but still. Uh, <laughs> I, I love have... that take. <laughs> you know, I have like... uh, many friends who are in a. Just like a constant state of t- terror, because they're like, but like, I just don't get it. I but how? <laughs> it's like, like I wish, I wish I could explain it to you in any way, but I know that no explanation I have is going to be satisfactory. To be I friends just... with the straights is to live in a state of terror. It's oh, it's I... truly. <laughs> Look, it's I'll truly... be friends with the straights. Yes, of course. I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, are y'all okay? Well, are you are you okay? First of all, I, I was gonna say you'd never catch me dating a straight, but that's because straights would, by definition, not be attracted to me. So sure, that that checks the math. As, the science checks out. It all as, it all as, makes sense. as a non-binary that person. That may be a, one of the most obvious statements I have, in fact, heard in my life. And yeah, a straight man should be said. Would not date me. Yeah, no or, or no, or a straight woman. I'm just oh, okay. I'm just you're right. Straight. I am. I am not. I am not a boy or a girl. Therefore, if you date me, you're not a straight. <laughs> Kevin just does a single snap. One <laughs> snap with with his hair. For emphasis. Yeah, I released my hair from the ponytail. We're in hour three of the remedial chaos theory. Oh, y'all can both eat a dick, okay? <laughs> Fucking balding, and y'all out here with luscious locks, and I have to grow mine below my nose. I hey, hate Lib, it. Next time you threaten me, do it with something I won't enjoy. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I guess uh, I but it's okay. I mean, Caleb, <laughs> I just I encourage you if you're ever concerned about your hairline, Google Joel McHale in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two, and realize that any hairline is possible. Joel McHale's in that movie? Joel McHale's in oh, Dog. He's the one that won't give Aunt May a toaster at the bank, and my man's hairline is on the other side of his head. <laughs> and you're like, science has achieved right incredible things. <laughs> science has come so far <laughs> in the world of Joel McHale's hairline. 
you can even see it big time between Community Seasons 1 and 2. You're like, the, he has added hair to his head. And no oh shit. my god. Joel McHale, handsome man. I, I regret no one getting hair plugs. His look, phenomenal, by the way. Oh, like, hey, straight up, though. Straight up. Um, The first episode of The Office, the first season of The Office, and season two of The Office, Steve Carell goes from, like, thinning at the top to full head of hair. Uh-huh. They and did again. that. That was through styling. I remember watching that. That was a very distinct move because he was so unlikable that they were like, "We need to fix his hair." He can't look when like he shit goes from always. the slick back to the comb. It really it changed his character in a big, big way. Uh, but and again, I they're Hollywood actors. Like I understand. Like this is part of it, and I regret no one. And I think those two gentlemen, their their hair plugs look great. I just it it did happen. It did transpire. <laughs> He d- honestly, I I bet you he did it with that Spider-Man Two money. Exactly. Like he. You think Phil McHale made enough money for Spider-Man to do anything long-lasting in his life? <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man the residuals on Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Like I mean, resid- that movie resid- playing constantly on airplanes and FX. Joel probably cleaned <laughs> up from Spider-Man Two. Right. I'm not even kidding. I mean, like, if it wasn't Joel Spider-Man 2, it was rock. definitely The Soup. Yeah, exactly. The Soup and, like, you know, Community was never the biggest show on the network, but you're the main character on an NBC sitcom for five years. You're probably going to do okay. Like, you, yeah. if you're smart, you don't need to work a whole lot uh, going forward. <laughs> which is why I think we've seen most of the Community actors apply themselves very judiciously. Gillian, Danny, etc. They made enough money to be like, okay, what do I want to do after yeah, Community? Sure. Um, sure. And they've all worked, and uh, I think they've all had very fine careers. I'm just, you know, they, and they made most of money. them are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or are affiliated with the Marvel company in some way, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Large or small. Uh, November 20th, uh, Marvel 616 on Disney+, Plus, directed by Gillian Jacobs and Allison Brie. Uh, Incredible. 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 But this fucking episode of Community, it squeezes so much into 21 and a half minutes. Like, it's the origin of the Darkest Timeline thing. They squeeze in a huge end tag. They squeeze in seven different timelines advancements to the Jeff and Annie relationship, even though it's in a different timeline, the Troy and Britta relationship, even though it's in a different timeline, neither of which I'm like wild about, but they do advance those. Mm -hmm. Troy and Pierce, like everyone's relationship moves forward. They decide to let Annie move in. They create one of the great gifts of all time (laughs) where Uh Donald Glover walks in with the pizzas and the room is on fire. One of the great all-time <laughs> gifts. No, it's yeah, in the Pantheon. Like it's so it's, it's, it's people so, that don't know Community know that gift. Bunch of people with Netflix have discovered where that gift is from. They like, should have been like, "Oh shit, this that thing." There's few episodes that give me like maybe it's not even episodes that I should point out. There's few times a TV show even do, does a thing for like thirty straight seconds that's so good. When it ends, when it cuts to something else, you go, hold the phone. I need to go back and watch that again. 
Eleanor Shellstrup realizing they're in hell, and then Michael's like, it's so good. And it fucked me up. I was like, oh shit, he is a demon. Like, super good. If there is a moment that is the case for having commercial breaks, it's that moment from The Good Place that you're like, you right, figured it this out. is commercial. why we have commercial breaks. Oh, this is so this good. is why they're still okay. <laughs> because, goddamn, there and really is nothing better than go, a good Did you just see what I just saw? Because I just saw something and I don't yeah. know how to feel about it, yeah. but I need to talk about it. And I don't want to talk about it when the show comes back because I'm going to talk over what's happening. And like, ah. Yeah. yeah. No. So, like, this Incredible. show does that a few times to me. Like, well, one of the first ones is in the first season when Troy's navigating his sneeze and that whole oh, intro section is With like the cans, the can, the, no, no it's like the it's the Britta offering to pay for Abed's thing and then Shirley being like isn't his dad a Muslim he'll cut your head off with a salami sword and then Annie is saying that's the most racist thing I've ever heard and then Jeff saying Pierce will beat that in 30 seconds and then <laughs> uh, Troy sitting down and sneezing and then everyone laughing, and <laughs> Jeff saying, Choice is like a girl, and then him saying, how about I pound you like a boy that didn't come out right, and then Shirley being like, it's okay, and then Troy being like, you're not my mother, and then Pierce being like, she's not, and then Jeff being like, 27, like, that whole Shut fucking <laughs> so fucking yeah. good. No, that's um, the tightest, yeah, that one. It's so yeah. good, and so, like, specifically, the timeline where Troy goes to get the pizza is just like this fucking list <laughs> of things where like it's been set up by the three or four that have come before where you're like, what does a pregnancy test look like? And he's like, a little stick with a thing on it. And he's like, so this is definitely a gun. Like, <laughs> that's one of Donald's the Donald's delivery so on that line. It's Holy so good. shit. It's so Holy good. Holy shit. <laughs> But like we have all that information about that every time, and it breaks me because there is no reason. There is absolutely no um, reason. No. What's your pregnancy test look like? <laughs> oh, so this is definitely a gun. Like what the fuck? <laughs> but when he goes to get the pizza, we just have we have just enough information for like all of these things, like. We've seen the the Raiders of the and I'm sorry the Temple of Doom uh, model, Boulder. so like the boulders falling and Britta's going to the bathroom, but Troy's not there this time, so Abed goes with her, so Abed's not around to catch the boulder because we've seen him do that. It's just mm-hmm. all these things that stack up and like the fucking bottle and the table and the boulder and the shatter and the gunshot and <laughs> fucking Pierce bleeding all over Shirley's <laughs> face, uh, and then Troy walking up and seeing it and his only reaction being to just like. Scream, <laughs> and then it just cuts away to the next thing. Like this, none of this actually happened. We're gonna cut away and make you think of something else. Um, and it's I've gone on a I've gone on a rant, but like no, it's, there no, are it's, few it's moments in shows exactly. that make there are few moments in shows that make me go, hold on, I need to watch that whole forty-five second movement again because not only is it tight and perfect like it does more than what i was able to see the first time seeing yeah mm-hmm. um and this episode yeah. is kind of full of those Shirley's as the chorus of roxanne plays over <laughs> the the chaos i yeah. it's just a beautiful thing Sh- anyway. shirley's nervous bake down nice it's, it's just <laughs> Nice. I know I didn't say that on purpose. That. More like a big. I know. That's so good. And like 
the I was <laughs> this watch I was trying to like pay attention to like okay where are the like commercial breaks like how are we structuring this so we get like the full intro and two timelines before the first commercial break and then the second break is basically the the darkest timeline section and then we come back and we have like two more as we like roll into so it's the, two two and then two it's like well it's two four and two or whatever two three and two whatever whatever that math would would work out oh right because there's but they like they portion it out so well and then you know also include one of the great end tags at the end of it it's like "Eh, why don't we just also do all of this (laughs) what if we did all of the things right at once yeah which which end tag is this? This isn't the This is the Darkest Timeline end tag. Where Pierce oh, may yes. he rest in Pierce. Shirley, <laughs> don't you think you've had of you? Of you. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I make your ass sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's event destroying once again. But that's where like Abed pulls out like the Star Trek beards and Jeff's arm and yes. Rita's wash away blue streak. Exactly. <laughs> things got dark. Things got dark. <laughs> <laughs> Troy's voice box just my the voice box anything about vanquishing trolls <laughs> <laughs> just goddamn community like thank you TV show thank you for this episode I'm so glad you gave it to me honestly like honestly I haven't had a feeling that this show has given me until finishing the good place and realizing that yeah. the good place is going to be a show that's going to hold a, an equally special spot in my, yeah. in my can in my head canon. But like, yeah, dude, Community delivers like over and over. And I, we've said this before, right? Like, we're there are moments in this show in the first season where you're like, this show shouldn't be this good yet. And there's moments in the second season when you're like, yo, the second season's not the best one. <laughs> that's never how it goes, but it is. And then mm-hmm. like. You know, like, this show is a constant reminder that, like, the people making this have their shit together and have an idea of how to make these characters work well. Um, On top of the fact that, as we know from experience, that, like, all of these characters worked really well, all these actors really worked well together because they were, like, a big old family. Uh, Minus one. And it shows. It shows. Well, there's always that one uncle. Yeah. And they're always named Chevy. I don't understand how that happens. Hmm. (laughs) Weird. I can't imagine naming my kid after a truck. I can't imagine <laughs> naming a truck after. Nope, sorry, bad joke. <laughs> hey, you're in a party with a dad right now, so your jokes can't be that bad. <laughs> that's right. That's it what makes your. <laughs> it makes your much like you know having Pierce there means there's like a target for all of our vitriol. But if you take Pierce away, suddenly everything falls apart. But don't worry, we have Pierce. We have a we have a sounding board. It's a dad. Exactly. Exactly. Every anytime you feel like your joke is bad, just let me deliver it, and it'll get better. Exactly. Huh. If you don't have Pierce, Jeff is going to be too mean to Troy, uh, and then if you don't have Abed, everyone is going to end up fighting. It's a if you don't have Troy, everything's going to fall to pieces. And, it's a uh, remarkable episode demonstrating how truly codependent these people are. A notion we will come back to again and again and again over mm-hmm. the course of the show, but. For now, we segue into rankings, uh, where I feel like we have a couple high rankers on our hands here. First, on the docket, the end tag, the darkest timeline. It's top five easy. Easy top, top five. Top five easy. 
Um, regardless, it's Batman so Chad is getting kicked out. It's so spell easy without, like, with just E and e, Z. Z. Yeah. Yeah, E dash Z. Not even a dash. We don't even need it. It's just. It's the E. It's ease, yeah. dude. It's I ease. Would, ease. I would say the darkest timeline tag is the only tag that rivals these two, Spanish rap and the first Troy and Abed in the morning, in terms of sheer iconography. Absolutely. In terms of, like, this is an endemic part of the show and a beloved tag. Because I love, like, the Coogler movie trailer. But it doesn't have the same cachet that this right. tag does. I'm in, agree- I'm in agreement. Agreeance. Agreeal. <sighs> the, for me, this would be my number two only because Fiddler Please sends me into pure Hysteric. joyous Hysteric. <laughs> raucous laughter and this is just slightly below that but if you are no, for I, number one I'd take it Fiddler, Fiddler, no man Fiddler Please is like I'm I can literally go into any conversation and be like it's hard to be Jewish in Russia yo and it makes everyone laugh even if you haven't watched it so like that's got yeah. some cachet that's got some cachet so like I think it's yeah. definitely funnier than Spanish rap, but like it's not Certainly. as iconic as Spanish rap. Like Spanish rap is this like thing you watch it and you're like, oh, that was oh amazing. My God. And it's yeah. like the um, first one, and it just oh like, kills you with love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This is a t- this is number two for me, just because Fiddler Please is just kind of like there's something really exciting about how it's so simple, and this one's yes. like a, a complex one. So this is my number two for me. That works. Nice. That works. All right. I have no uh, timeline. I have no. I rarely have anything to add, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's number one. It's number one. This is the best episode. Papa, this what is the do best you say? episode? Oh, I thought that was a foregone conclusion. I oh, we... okay. The... <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, like, I. I didn't say anything no, for I... a second because I thought maybe you'd be like, "Uh oh, maybe I... he's gonna dis." No. I do, oh, I actually, disagree. you know, I don't think it's as well, good as Asian actually, population studies or number 20. No, it, um, you know, I figured it would end up being number one. I was wondering if we would get to a place where it would be like number three, but it sounds like the undisputed it's number, number one. one. It's number uh, one. So uh, remedial chaos theory. Can anything beat it? I <laughs> keep tuning in to find out, folks. <laughs> We're going to be hard-pressed to find one that will, but I don't there think is, it's impossible. This top three right now, like, we all, we keep being like, wow, this is an insane top, but this top three, Remedial Chaos Theory, Mixology Certification, and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons is just like, That's, that's an impenetrable that's a That's a, that's a solid Chang. I said, God damn! <laughs> and then, like, Intermediate documentary, fistful of paintballs, paradigms of human memory, modern warfare, physical education, comparative religion, conspiracy theories is number ten. <laughs> that's crazy. Ten. It's yeah, horde out here. Office <laughs> uncontrollable Christmas is thirteen. I know. Chicken Bananas. fingers is fifteen. Bananas. Chicken like, fingers is fifteen. That's the one that does it for me. Yeah. Holy that- shit. Fifteen. But, like, then you're like, how could that be? And then you look above it, and you're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not moving anything. <laughs> yeah, all right. I can't. I If I could, I'd do it for you. But I can't. I but can't. I can't. I can't. You know what, guy? You know what? It checks out. I did the math. No, it's good. Uh, 
What? Carry the one. There is maybe one episode to come that could. (laughs) Sorry. No, I just, I just. Chase just Caleb. suggested doing physical math to check to make sure it checks out. And yeah, like, oh, that's, that's, that's my, my favorite bit. That's Someone asks me something, I'll say something, and if I'm not sure about it, I go, wait, how much I get? And I go, okay. No way to get fucking. You're they writing on the, the window, the one, like in right, the social yeah. network. You're just like, uh-huh. oh, God, you know, no, you got to get the marks. Carry the one, okay, and then chest down, neck, that, close. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, that checks out. Mm-hmm. And, checks out? <laughs> and y- y'all know me too well, because Kev, that's specifically a line from the social network when one of the lawyers is like, you donated $1,000? And he's like, yes. And then she's like, and then you donated $15,000? And he's like, yes. And then she's like, so you donated $16,000? And Jesse Eisenberg's phenomenal performance as Mark Zuckerberg's like, hold on a second. <laughs> goes, yep, that checks out. It's sixteen thousand. <laughs> it's such a good fucking thing. How it's is so it good. that like ninety percent of our record sessions, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I should watch the Social Network. <laughs> how? <laughs> because I'm a Sorkin, I'm a Sorkin slut, and no, so, I've seen it uh, like fifteen times. I'm just like, ah, oh, I should watch that again. <laughs> That's a good movie. It's, it's a phenomenal movie. It's a good movie. Army um, hammers and it twice. Yeah. Oh, Maybe. fun fact. Sorry, we get distracted too easily. Fun fact. No, it's okay. Like, when I was younger and saw that movie in 2010, a full fucking t- <laughs> 10 years ago, who would have thought we would be here now? Um, that I didn't. I never noticed that that was two of the same person. Uh, I was just like, oh, they found twins. And then I found out it was two of the same person. And then I found mm-hmm. out that they had another person. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that weird realization they, of brain when you're They 18, filmed it go, with oh, a body double for our but they didn't know while filming whether Which they would they were put army hammer's face on this dude or if this dude would play the other twin yeah so it wasn't this, a body double it was like an actual legit fucking actor yeah it's an actor and they couldn't uh, that decide eventually was gonna be had army hammer's face put on his face yeah and the reason i bring that up is there are moments early in that movie where you can tell that it's 2010 because the face mapping on the one that's not actually army doesn't look great. Sometimes it's shaky when they're Sometimes. both in the same shot. Obviously, if there's only one in the shot, they just like had <laughs> put on a different shirt or whatever. Right. Specifically um, when they're rowing, it's like, oh, that's that's not army hammer. The motion uh, was tough. The motion was tough. Yeah. Uh, well, but most of the time, she was young. Okay. You know, fun, yeah. also, fun fact army hammer is actually named Armand Hammer. Because he's from the family that founded Arm and Hammer. Wow. I'm, I'm just saying, that's so disrespectful to your child. Yeah, super. That's 100%. so, that's your so mean. Fucking Nike. That's rude. <laughs> What's your son's name? My son's name is Arm and Hammer. Yeah, that's a, that's a different level of hubris that none of us are going to have the opportunity to experience. Yeah. I'm naming he's my kid so famous, Advanced so. Community. <laughs> This is my child. <laughs> Advanced community. Advanced community. You're going to change your last name to studies. So it's Kevin. TV's Kevin Studies. And then your and dog's then my name. Child, my first one huh. shall be Advanced Community Studies. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, fucking plums. You're more likely to name your first kid Pearson Old. I'm just saying. <laughs> Pearson Old. Pearson Old. I'm uh, a Yes. 
Plugs. So, uh, for the for the plugs, uh, you know, fucking give us five stars on iTunes. We've been this this is our longest episode. <laughs> Not even a plea. Just like a, we fucking deserve it. Just do it. Yeah. Um. You know, this is our longest episode ever, and I could have expected that this should be our longest episode ever. Um. Yes. But it is. Um. So, uh, give us the five stars, and then I'm just gonna shout out one of my favorite lull accounts. Um, at tight X ship, uh, uh, but their stage name is community fora de contexto. And, uh, they post the Portuguese screenshots of community oh, with yes. all the subtitles. For some reason, it delights me. I can't explain it to you. You posted but... recently the, the Brita, oi. <laughs> yes. From the, from the, 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 the pillows and. Blankets. Yeah, pillows and bl- yeah, from yeah, where she's in like the orgy and the blanket for it. There's something about seeing like the Portuguese translation of the word complisult uh, that just delights me for some reason. <laughs> so, so go follow them. They're I assume good people. They're definitely Portuguese people. <laughs> <laughs> we in flex, but okay. That's the weirdest. <laughs> um... <laughs> It wasn't even that funny, but I'm in a mood, so let's We're go. Listen, I have five days off immediately following this record, so I'm liable to do anything at all. Oh, so, wow, get, you're feeling reckless, Kevin. Yeah, dog, I'm living Kevin, on the edge. You should have told us that when you fucking started the episode, so we knew that this was peak Kev. This is peak Peak, Kev, the Kev Peak. Anyway, um, I'm gonna do a little bit of a plug. Um, I've I've plugged her before. Her name is Junior Mint. She's an amazing trans activist and drag queen. Uh, on Instagram, it's Junior Mint with two T's, so it's J U N I O R M I N T T. And she recently posted, I believe it's currently. I don't know if it'll still be, but it's currently the second post on her um. Her grid. She's doing a fundraiser for some of the people in her family, uh, having to do with like healthcare and housing, and you know, making sure that there's still some like a good stability in that family. And she just her and her whole family just deserves the world. If you can donate literally anything, show up, open your purse, toss a few dollars, toss a coin to your Witcher, you know, like do what you gotta do. Help out the family. She deserves it. Her family deserves it. And also, also, just she posts videos that are really great if you're trying to kind of be a better person. I don't know. She's great. She's so great. Give her a follow. Uh, like all of her stuff. Send her money and then send money to this this uh, this new fundraising effort for her because she and her family absolutely deserve it. So that's my plug for today. Um, I love all of you trans listeners. If you're even there, you are valid. Just remember that. It's a wacky time. A lot of stuff's going on. So just remember, you're valid. And if anything, I love you. Like most of the people on this podcast, we don't have enough hubris to plug our own shit that much. So, I don't know, man. Uh, my last week has been fucking wild. So, the only thing I want to plug is how fucking thankful I am that, like, y'all want to do this with me. And that we keep doing this through this. Oh my God. And that unity is cool as, as they are. Like I said earlier in this episode, picture a wave fucked me up. So, uh, yeah, I'm just super thankful that I get to live, like, right now. And know the people that I know. Because there's absolutely wow. no chance in hell that would happen again. The odds are insurmountable that we would run into each other. And we have. And uh, thanks to the community and to you two fucking jamooks. 
I don't know what that means, but thank you. <laughs> I, I think I kind of made it up, so yeah. Jamokes, I, I, jabronis, it's all you know. Yeah, it's. Jamokes feels like a mystical cool. creature that I enjoy. I like that Jamook. You're you're in a field. You're surrounded by ten Jamooks uh-huh. woken from yes. their slumber. <laughs> what are they doing? Tell me more. They're <laughs> angry. Imagine. They're, oh, they're, they're angry. angry. What have I done? Does anyone speak Jamook? <laughs> Does anybody have a map? Wow. To make Broadway reference because we were talking about Broadway. I don't know wow. if anybody else caught that, but Dear Evan Hansen, come yeah, here, please, got it. please, Caleb. Um, do you listen to Do you listen to musicals or are you actually straight? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny as fuck. And yes, I listen to musicals. Um, hey! not as much, not as much like Broadway musicals. Sure. But uh, I will go out of my way to watch several musicals that are on my on my top list. Like what? Hell yeah. Um, okay, so not the the musical rendition of fucking Christmas Carol. Oh, There's yeah. a musical rendition of that with Albert Finney. It's very good. Uh, La La Land is a very good movie to me. I, I don't have the experience to know if a musical movie stands up to musicals at large. Because I don't have a lot of... Yeah, I don't have a lot of like going to see a stage musical experience. I saw Tempest once that was done as a musical. In Shakespeare at the Park, that was fucking lit. Um, it was super good. It was super good. I was like eight or ten, and I was like, I'm going to be a writer. Because watching that was like, ooh, okay, yep, this did something for, for your boy. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with musicals uh, in their purest form, watching them on stage. I just haven't had uh, friends nearby long enough to go see them. Kevin, uh... I, I, I and then I left, I left Starbucks. And, you know, we didn't interact enough. We Actually, in complete honesty, for anybody listening, Kevin and I had met each other at Starbucks and worked together for the better part of, like, uh, a year, maybe? Yeah, I know like I know Kev better through this show than I, than I oh, got to know you working at 100%, Starbucks. 100%. So, I was also yeah. way too broke in those days to go see much musical theater. Anything, so, yeah, sure. Um, it was only out of the kindness of people like jace's partner that i got to see musicals right yeah uh, so uh, uh and that is a whole deal uh stay tuned uh for the interview portion of this episode where i talk to uh alexander bowman uh political cartoonist for the lincoln project and the hilltop show and uh we will be back next week with two episodes that are both spooky and gay oh, <laughs> oh i'm right here kevin don't talk about me like that Jace is spooky and gay. That is correct. <laughs> but until then, ba 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 ba. This is our last episode that will come out before Halloween. So ba, ba, get them all out. Da 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 do 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 I literally opened my eyes like oh my god we're getting close why does it get me why does it get me also I was distracted by the fact that you were basically singing in the voice that the dean sings to Troy and Hobbit you were basically doing that, and so I was like, "Is this on purpose? Are they doing this on purpose?" And then it got close, and then I, yeah, one of these days, I'm, I, I, I swear to God, I don't have ADHD.
That's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie. <laughs> you know we can see and hear you, right? <laughs> you know that, like, we this can see all this. The poster child definition of ADHD. We've yeah. been uh, we've been doing this for thirty-one episodes. We spent you an know hour that, this right? episode trying to talk about community and talked about twelve other shows. All right. I'll, I'll stop putting on airs, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> We're gonna fly to school each morning. We're gonna smile the entire time. We're gonna be more happy. We're gonna finally be fine. We're gonna get more calm and normal. We're gonna fix our state of mind. We're gonna be less crazy. We're, We're gonna, gonna finally be fine. I, I was watching a 30 Rock last night, and uh, Alec Baldwin uh, said, it's the Patriot Act. People forget, but it means a white person can detain anyone for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little uh, bit shocked at the, at the extent to which they went with the um, Pierce's dream sequence. And I forget what the name of the episode was, but it was uh, shortly after Remedial Chaos Theory. I think hashtag Annie's move. Uh, when the, when Pierce is like huffed out on paint and he's hallucinating. It's been a while since I've watched that one, but like a, a hula, a hula sign. There's like a whole, there's a whole deal there. Oh, but it gets worse. Like with the Halloween psychopath scene in the other episode, when uh-huh. they're like, yeah, name your ideal horror story. And then Pierce just doesn't do that. He just describes his ideal world with, you know, girls and him having muscles so. he, he does his own like uh erotic friend fiction as uh, uh to to borrow parlance from bob's burgers he he does a little self-insert friend fiction um and more so than any horror story that is the story that horrifies the study group the most that's the one they cannot uh, deal with is the horny pierce story uh, and i don't blame them honestly yeah i'm still and, shocked i mean of course this is like a basic premise for this podcast but you know i'm still shocked at the genius work that the writers did to apparently just encode uh, chevy chase's problems in the script uh, you'd think that as a humorist chevy chase would be smart enough to realize that that was going on but okay, sure. <laughs> this but apparently well not. <laughs> he he either was oblivious to it or suffered it, but used it as like his own horrible ammunition. You know, he 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 put it in his his quiver, and and was uh, was going to use that to justify just being a real piece of garbage <laughs> almost <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> I bet he justified it to himself. Like he had little biases and he was like, yeah, we're, we're making this character out to be crazy. And it doesn't, yeah, something like that. Some sort of sick it, rationalization, I guess. <laughs> Is yeah, I guess most monsters do generally have some sort of sick rationalization for themselves you know <laughs> getting into english major stuff i mean i i don't think any villain a- 
actively enjoys being evil for the sake of being evil without thinking it'll bring about some good in the world and we can get into that <laughs> right they they many villains uh will commit evil either out of just like purely selfish reasons of of monetary gain or power gain or you do have the larger extrapolations of villains that believe they are doing what is ultimately righteous mm. even though they are committing heinous acts right. whether they believe they are committing bad to do good or if they think it's all good and they're just wrong <laughs> right <laughs> exactly which is also i mean yeah name option. a villain yeah we can apply that to any case right absolutely like uh, uh to to be a dumb comic book dork you have like dr doom who uh, is a, a a wizard and also a scientist and also a dictator of a nation. Mm -hmm. And he believes that his being a dictator is correct because someone else would do it worse. He believes that doom uh... dictatorship is the answer to provide for his country, for his people. And unfortunately, he is usually right. Mm -hmm. Like, his method of dictatorship is to cause actual prosperity for his people right. because he wants to prove that he can do it better than anybody else <laughs> well right and i've been listening to lay miz nonstop over the past couple weeks and uh right. yeah perfect example where stories are so much more interesting when they're there you don't see that enough when the villain has like a semi-legitimate reason for doing what they're doing but they manifest it in the worst way possible <laughs> right that is the most like compelling form of villain mm. where they do have their own six six sense of rationality where you can almost understand where they're coming from but you just have to like stop short you i cannot follow you past this line you know right so when your Absolutely. rationalizations take you too far and you forget the other side you're so caught up in your own shtick that you forget oh wait uh maybe i shouldn't kill jean valjean <laughs> Oh, dang. Oh my gosh, uh, I feel bad about me. not killing him. I'm going to myself off a bridge. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I do, I do feel so bad about not killing him that I must uh, yeet myself off a bridge. But, um, but uh, still, I, Javert, realize that, you know, I, I have realized my quest was against a man who is trying to do right and better himself, but also my morality is such that the only recourse left to me is to hurl myself. <laughs> oh, like, he went from, I've got you, Javert, I am Javert, and then, like, four minutes later, there's no way to go on. <laughs> so... Yeah. And if you fall, fell. <laughs> and then he literally falls. Um, and you could probably make some sick comparisons to uh, Lucifer. Oh, um, a fairly oh, minor oh, oh, character oh, in the Bible. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, which version is your favorite? Do you like the 1980 whatever, the 10th anniversary version that's free on YouTube for some reason or the 2012 yeah. one? <laughs> oh, uh the Tom Hooper joint? Yes. Um I I am I I will opt out of the Tom Hooper joint. I mean, my favorite version of Lame is I've ever seen uh was done by a bunch of teens in Columbia, Missouri. They did a great job. It was a great show. Uh, and that was the best version of Les Mis I've ever seen. It was done take, by a sir. bunch of 18-year-olds in, in <laughs> Columbia, Missouri as part of a, a youth theater program. I think they did great. <laughs> I think the most effective version of The Miserables is the world we're living in right now. 
Got him. Got he. Um, yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, the miserables. Yeah, Victor Hugo got nothing on uh, uh, the real life. <laughs> Victor Hugo got nothing on that. I did some, uh, um, I was scrolling through the hashtag literary memes tag the other day, as one does, and I learned sure. some things about Victor Hugo that I would, I don't know, con uh, contradict the Christian goodness themes in Les Mis just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just slightly. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, hashtag Christian memes. Um, yeah, but that's, that's what, that's what we're looking at. Um, this is, of course, the interview portion of Advanced Community Studies, and I, I dare not even broach on, uh, the conversation of Tom Hooper movie musicals, lest we never get to Community and talk about Cats, uh, for the enduring 45 minutes I have left available to me. Uh, but I, uh, you can't see it, this is an audio production. Right, uh, but I saw it, and I will appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so I am joined... It's John. Wow. Never mind. And now, <laughs> and now this. Hello. Uh, wow. Well done. That talent. Donald Trump. Yes, Donald Trump. Uh, that's my. Yeah. I get to. This show gives oh me God, an ample please. opportunity to use my John Oliver, um, uh. which is good. Uh, as I, it is an impression I've put the most work into, but is the least applicable to the field of comedy because he is already a comedian. You can't do. A, a comedy version you can't parody him he is it doesn't it doesn't function interesting, uh, interesting, interesting perspective you know i uh it's like the accent you think you can do but actually can't <laughs> yeah yeah montana <laughs> wyoming's flanders uh you know it's you got the like deep throat guttural thing also i am i feel bad because i have not i've been on maybe four podcasts ever in the past, like Total. ever, and I have brought him up every time, and I'm I'm kind of worried because <laughs> what is he? No, doing? I just only, I just only feel bad because the, he is not in this episode. You know, I no. only got to you at, during the exact period of time where he is not on Community anymore. <laughs> um, but we we will um, uh, 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 give ourselves a shot there, I'm sure. Uh, but I am finally joined by. Alexandra Bowman, the host of The Hilltop Show, a political comedy web series and talk show based at Georgetown for American Young People, and the political cartoonist and a video editor for The Lincoln Project, and the cartoonist of environmental news program, Our Daily Planet. Aw, thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm it's, love your tweets, love the content. I'm very excited to finally <laughs> be part of the, the group. <laughs> or yes, club, or group, other hats. <laughs> uh yeah there's a hat club uh we have uh jackets with f chicken finger patches it's a whole thing Dope. um yes so so welcome you're finally on i've been wanting to get you on forever oh. uh, and we we finally made it happen and i i was like okay Bow Bow bowman's coming on we gotta give him a good episode we gotta give him remedial chaos theory we gotta we gotta set aside our time and really give them the runway you know <laughs> yeah oh well that's kind of you i mean i watched it and i'm tr i would love to go i'm my goal is to go into tv writing tv production after graduation i am 20 years old i don't like to admit it but i am 20 years old uh and i was watching this episode again and the construction of it from a like a screenwriting literary perspective is fascinating and a little confusing it's like how is this entertaining all they're doing is running through the six timelines each of them is weird over one of them is weirdest over. one of them is <laughs> 
we're repeating so much of the same lines and the same context like over and over and over again and it should be maddening for that to happen so much in a 21 minute span of time exactly uh but it just isn't right and i think you could chalk that up to you know some very like clever reframing every time you are paying attention to the slight differences as opposed to the repeated similarities again and again and again well and of course the troy gif looking forward to that realizing that's coming and then celebrating when it does so many so many people are realizing where a lot of their favorite gifs come from right that like the the troy gif uh uh ken jong staring at the little piece of paper or i'll uh, allow it which i used twice yesterday not i'll allow it (laughs) excellent one uh surely saying the lord is testing me like people are finding out the origin of some of their favorite all-time gifts and i think that's beautiful (laughs) to finally know is that already a tried and true trope on to talk about on a podcast or not i'm just curious um it and we have run it through on this show i say gif (laughs) mostly just because i think it sounds nicer i like the soft g uh and people are like uh that's not how the g would sound in that (laughs) scenario i'm like you ever heard of a giraffe you ever heard geronimo like what do you g's can do it's the english language it's chaos george gorge george yeah 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 yeah. i'm sorry allow me to introduce you to my friend gorge uh you of course go to gorge town um yeah it's it's, uh, preposterous uh but welcome to the show so i will ask you the question that must be answered by all guests what is your community journey uh when did you come to the show how often have you watched the show i'm just curious sure thing well honestly it's it became close to my heart in like the perfect way possible um so i was a an oliver enthusiast for some time and then i keep seeing screenshots oh what he's in a sitcom um so that happened and i i got into it right at the start of when i started college uh so it was perfect like to watch these characters adjusting to the college experience a new environment etc while i was doing the same thing it was just perfect and beautiful so honestly like um I found myself gravitating to music playlists that I used to listen to while walking around campus, which is probably like a sick masochist thing to do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, uh, listening to the community theme song hits you right in the feels these days. Uh, so it's fun to rewatch Absolutely. and think, oh, it's like we're it's almost another way of dealing with the new college environment we're now in because uh, I am a junior. Uh, we're getting used to the virtual landscape for classes. Uh, and it's, right. it's kind of using that as another device to, to adjust to this crazy new world. Finding those senses of normalcy of like life as it used to be and will be again. Like we, we you know, there will be an other side to uh, the coronavirus, but but finding those little pieces of what used to be that you can hang on to and help yourself feel some sense of normalcy. You know? mm-hmm. Well, normalcy or just nostalgia. Like, because lately it just feels like a vain attempts at like reliving the old days, which feels dumb. You know, I have it really good, but <laughs> it was like, oh, you get a sweet, new, nice, new taste of, of freedom and then to have it taken away a year and a half later, it sucks, man. It sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're, this is impacting your very important college experience. You know, all the parties are canceled. <laughs> 
old and you're you don't i was one of those sick losers who lived on the uh alcohol free floor you know so i i that's one thing that i don't have to experience losing uh no that's okay i was never i was so so rarely at any college parties i mean i went to a small college where like there were no on-campus parties and i was invited to few if any off-campus parties so we're all good here you know and i don't speaking of that i don't want to out my friend i won't name the friend but um there are some people who are allowed to live on campus right now for, for various reasons and uh, a friend of mine saw people partying next door maybe five or ten people no social distancing no masks you know standard freshman party fair and she owns a plague doctor costume and she went in she knocked on the door in the plague doctor costume and they said who are you and she said death the doctor sin wow i think uh, that is one of the most incredible things i've heard in a long time it? and the friend refuses to tweet it i think i think i asked her to tweet it and she said nah it's private oh, it is no longer private of, friend <laughs> think of all the clout yeah thousands of people the world will hear this <laughs> the story must be told yeah yeah i agree <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's beautiful. Um, as someone that draws a comic strip about a cartoon plague doctor, I am for plague doctors in this current time. Let's bring back the look. I think, I think we would have a lot fewer coronavirus deniers if, when you contracted the coronavirus, you had to deal with a scary bird person. <laughs> Did you mean last week tonight? Never mind. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I uh, enjoy me some some last week tonight. I will confess I haven't seen every episode, but um, I, I enjoy me some last week tonight. Can I make a massive, massive confession? I have not watched the last five episodes because I don't like the sad. I don't like seeing him sad. <laughs> I can't make myself do it. I'll pull it up on YouTube or you know HBO Max and I'll think I could do this. But I also just like the vision that he's not depressed right now. So I have just not horribly. Not and he, he fights citizen. through it pretty well. You know, he, he makes a good show of it pretty well. But it's just simply unavoidable at this point. Mm -hmm. It really like if you are um i don't know if i wouldn't necessarily call him a news program but certainly like a, a comedy journalism program i actually I, I wondered that for a while and like someone told me like i recently i was working with the society of professional journalists and they were like yeah editorial cartooning is definitely a form of journalism and i didn't know how that could be possible because when you think journalism you normally think you know bob woodward facts only or all the president's men strict note-taking no editorializing a hat that and says I've... press spotlight yeah exactly like very like every word has meaning no editorialization whatsoever and um i guess i was wrong because i was talking to this dude for this job i was doing who works for c-span uh, he's like a c-span panelist and he said that there are like three main categories of journalism. Um, I believe it's columnists, reporters, and commentators. Um, so John claims to not be a journalist, but according to this C-SPAN guy's definition, which seems to be the real definition trademark, uh, he absolutely is a journalist. He's just a commentator. So sorry, John, checkmate. <laughs> sorry, uh, you've been duped. I do. I would understand 
John not wanting to be called a journalist, you know. Uh, oh, to, sure. Because most people he, don't understand and, the definition. Right. I mean, not not even just because of, like, the anti-journalist rhetoric that is being spouted on the national stage every day. But I, I think he... You know, he was under Jon Stewart for many years, and Jon Stewart or or Stephen Colbert would always say, like, we are not the news. Mm. Great that you watch us. Great that you like what we do. You cannot get all of your information from a 30-minute comedy program. And there's a lot... Obama was on the Colbert Report in, like, its final year, and there was a bit where he said, in so many words, young people don't watch the news anymore, they watch comedy shows. So that places two onuses on various groups. My sleep-deprived, sad debate brain is not helping me here. Uh, Like, first of all, young people need to watch the news, and second... Uh, the comedy groups need to be responsible understanding what their audiences are coming to them for. So uh, you really do have to, unfortunately, share both sides in your, in jokes and comments. So uh, it's not really helpful (laughs) when brevity is key to, you know, that kind of a quote unquote art form. It's, it's only a slight step up from like getting all your news from like a Conan O'Brien monologue. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's you would you would know everything about like what the Kardashians are up to, uh, but but you would have like very little substantive information. And I think that, uh, to my knowledge, like last week tonight, The Daily Show and all of its incarnations, The mm-hmm. Colbert Report were like they were they were comedy, but they didn't tell any outright lies mm. unless it was like a big, very obvious joke. Um, but still, like, you you need to do a more thorough reading, uh, either from actual news and journalistic sources, or certainly, like, read some books about some stuff sometime. <laughs> well, right, and I mean, and as I'll, I, I keep saying, I only mentally and politically woke up two years ago, and so I've been talking to people older than me who've been around in this world, uh, and apparently political comedy as a genre like it is now didn't really exist uh, like Colbert Report, Daily Show, last week, nothing like that really existed in almost any form, uh, media-wise, uh, before Jon Stewart. Uh, and I'm wonder. I've been trying to figure out what led to that rising of that genre. Um, was it what consumers wanted, or was it out of necessity because that was what the political world required? I mean, it's a massive, popular genre. Why did it take so long? Or why does it need to exist in the first place? There, like most things, I think it's a confluence of elements, right? Because there's, there's a pretty direct line from Jon Stewart back to Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. right? As, uh, which started in 75, uh, and that segment has been a permanent mainstay of the show for its entire duration. So there's a pretty direct line there. Mm-hmm. And that is just, that's a very simple comedy premise. What if the news, but they told jokes? Instead? Right. Like that, that makes a perfect direct line. But there is also like from the Daily Show, from the Colbert Report, there is another direct line that that meets some other lines but also leads to 
Steven Crowder or or Alex Jones, like people I do not care for. Right. But there is an equal, you know, those those guys also have a lot of like talk radio in their mm. um Well, to be honest, like, like even st- I, I think the only real newscaster that I can think of immediately who doesn't at least imbue their reporting or commentary. Uh, they're two different things, according to the C-SPAN guy, imbue the things they say on screen uh, with some level of humor occasionally is like Wolf Blitzer who has miraculously been able to maintain this this air of complete objectivity what appears to be complete objectivity it's a crazy like no expressions not sure if that's good but you know he's i guess the dan rather what have you of our walter cronkite of our age right. <laughs> anderson cooper he's the guy uh, who's keeping it straight faced yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh, like at least anderson cooper you know that one time with jeffrey lord was like you know if he t- if trump took a dump on his desk you would defend him <laughs> which is at right. some point i understand you have to break it's so ridiculous you have to you can't maintain silence anymore i guess i mean it's an absolutely yeah absolutely yeah there's this um and and it's a idea that goes any number of directions right like like almost everything it's this weird double-edged sword Mm. where to not offer commentary on certainly some of these things feels morally un incorrect like yes. it does feel oh, like gosh. no 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 i as anderson cooper or whoever like must offer a certain amount of commentary on something that seems truly unjust and that's always been a part of the newscaster thing to a certain extent where like something bad will happen some some storm some murder or something and they'll be like and that's a terrible tragedy which is you know that's a form of commentary yes. like the thoughts and wishes of NBC nightly news are with the victims you know and that is itself a form of commentary it's just not the same form of commentary that a tucker carlson would use right and you have to think about the kind of distinction between facts and truth and how facts is mm-hmm. trump told a lie uh, actually, I don't know. I, I went to the um, I, the week the pandemic happened, like four days mm-hmm. before. Actually, no, it was like the week that New York City was declared under a state of emergency. I bust myself up to New York City and watched four late night shows in a row because I was one of the maybe hundred people stupid enough to want, put my life on the line for this. Right. Um, and so one yeah. of the shows that uh, I got off the wait list for was the uh, late night with Seth Meyers. And I got asked him, like, um what do you think is the difference between political comedy and journalism? And Seth Meyers says that he thinks that in his line of work, he's allowed to deliver more truth. Um, and of course, that's a scary thing if uh, given in the wrong hands, right? Um, but he thinks, right. like, Wolf Blitzer has to say Trump told a factual untruth, but Seth Meyers can get through to the viewer in their hearts and souls and say, your president is a pathological liar, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So I right. I would argue in terms of getting to people, you know, slapping them around the head and saying, look at what the, is going on right now. I think that political comics kind of do that more effectively just inherently by nature of the work that they do. Um, and I don't really blame Anderson Cooper or um, Chris Cuomo or these kind of sassy reporters for doing this because – I think there's a responsibility. I mean, at some point you can't stay silent and just call it an untruth. You have to look at what we're in. Look where we, look where we are because of, uh, because of lack of calling it out. Like, I, I don't believe in, you know, let's keep politics out of this discussion. It's not politics to say that our president is what he is. 
Right. And I, I think we've started really using the word politics as far too large an umbrella, mm. right? And, uh, it, you know, eventually I'm sure this will circle back around to community. community. But, <laughs> I have the same but, uh, eyes mind theory confirmed. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what I want. Like, you know, you, you, this is, this is fine. The, the organic discussion is what I'm more interested in rather than specifically discussing community. I'm sorry. Community. You even had an episode no. coming out that we were going to talk about, you know, okay, well, this is the darkest timeline there. I tied it together. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, but this, but there's, we've started using politics as too large an umbrella, mm. where it's like, you know, don't get mad at your family over politics, like don't. But it's but not politics; the, it's the fate of society. <laughs> exactly. When the word politics suddenly encompasses everyone's social and civil rights, uh, the death of thousands of people, like, okay, here's what politics is, like. How are we going to pay for roads? What specific <laughs> yep. bill is going to affect public school funding? Mm -hmm. That's politics. Correct. I think we can truly stop drawing the politics line at, like, again, like, social and civil rights being taken away, uh, uh, border camps, you know, all of these different, you know, uh, uh, being made a mockery of on the national state. Like, we stop being politics at mm -hmm. a certain point. And we need to stop using those that word to mean anything politicians have an opinion on yeah because like climate change is not politics no that is not what that word should encompass no because like if if you are actively vote if you theoretical old person straw man i'm speaking to <laughs> vote for someone who actively puts in danger like the future of our planet uh of myself who will outlive you straw man my friends, children who will outlive you, straw man, if you are doing that, then I think I have every right to be mad at you. I don't care about, like, pork barrel legislation in the same way. But, like, we've started using politics to mean literally everything. Well, it's almost like the system hopes that both sides have a concept of truth and what is right. And the whole point of the the idea of politics is that it's a debate over the best way to achieve X goal. Uh, and it feels like just the the aims, right, of a better society, uh, the definition of what a better society is, is so such a divisive thing now uh, that I think that might be where we've gone astray. But that said, I'm into philosophy, one uh, governmental theory. Theory 101 courses so I'm, i might not know anything but we'll see what happens <laughs> right i i I'll do not to claim to my be paper at 6 30 p.m today is turned in and i'll see if i have any new wisdom for you <laughs> and we'll we'll circle back around to that i'm sure um but but yes so uh this episode of community um <laughs> is this on your um uh, community hierarchy is this a high-ranking episode for you uh, one of the reasons the show is so awesome is the meta thing that it does so well um and this mm -hmm. nails that I, I mean what i was saying earlier about how it's still entertaining I'm not sure if that will make the final cut but earlier i said that despite the weird layout of this in a literary sense in a screenwriting storytelling sense like it's still entertaining i don't think it was entertaining enough to be put in my personal top five um but definitely an interesting mm -hmm. premise that was interesting to carry out i got a little bit tired of the uh the Pierce joke about Eartha Kitt. I'm like, ah, uh, uh -huh. the shock value uh, once. Oh, okay, but you know, 
10 times or six times it's a little old but um yeah right. no, they, I, I, they yeah. give everyone their kind of repeated method you know so like shirley's pies Britta smokes we you know they have all these different points that they the troll uh in the uh in the box you know there are all these different elements that pay out in different ways over and over again right um but okay so if you do you dare try and build like a a mount rushmore of community episodes for you like what are your big ones i just think the the this might be a, a cop out of the question but i think just the whole of seasons one and two are just the perfect little crystal ball of near perfection for a smart comedy sitcom. Just the level of creative um, divergence that you see there, the level of questioning every idea that's thrown across that writer's room table. It's just beautiful to watch. Like clearly these writers were having fun with both messing with the ideas they had themselves and messing with Chevy Chase's clearly crazy ideas too. (laughs) All right, I um, it is slightly a cop out, but I will allow it in this case. I'll I will, allow you it. Have, you have gotten permission for this particular cop out. Thank um, you. I mean, so, if, so I do. if I need to get specific, I think the the you know the sh- paintball episode obviously is top. Oh sure, top top top. Yeah, when people were saying, "Oh, community, where should I start?" I'm like, first watch the pilot, right? Obviously, booyah, and okay. then then watch paintball, and that's that's my episode. So right. So it's like, here's a basic character introduction, then here's the show you have to look forward to, mm-hmm. and then go back and, like, fill in the gaps between the two. Exactly. Um, like, the one it, episode that it, crystallizes everything. Like, I would argue that for Doctor Who, that's the stolen Earth, you know? Just Daleks, world apocalypticism, uh, plus mm-hmm. David Tennant, you know, all, all the best elements in one episode. I would say that's the, the paintball episode. <laughs> For sure, I could, uh, I could definitely uh, get behind that. Uh, to, to, you know, a controversial opinion: the community paintball episodes are good. <laughs> Hot take really city. Just, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not afraid to tell it like it is. I'm not afraid to put myself out on the line. Well, I mean, Pascal's triangle. I mean, uh, the what's the name of the episode with the the Duncan principle? I mean, I love. That. Oh, social psychology. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Duncan principle one. The Duncan. <laughs> Why don't you go don't. kill John Lennon again? <laughs> <laughs> you loser. <laughs> loser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, there, there. I, I think I, I think I listed five. You know, in a in a throwing balls at a wall sort of way. I hope at uh, five. Of- I think I think you made it work. I think you made it work. <laughs> yeah. I don't expect everyone to just have their like, ah, yes, I'm glad you asked that question and pull out like a preordained <laughs> Well, the paintball, paintball and, and any episode where Duncan shines particularly. But here, here's a hot take, and I need to watch it again to, you know, hone the take. But I remember being disappointed with Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Because, well, I, I'm coming I'm coming from, like, a, a, a Protestant perspective, I guess. But I remember that their take on the meaning of Christmas was disappointing. Like, the idea is just, like, be good and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh... <laughs> I disagree with that from a liturgical or a, a religious perspective. But also, I think you could have gone deeper even if you were going to be secular with it. <laughs> right, yes. The, the idea of Christmas is that Christmas has meaning. That's, like, the thesis that they get to. Yeah. Yeah. Like Christmas as a date on a, you know, that is not the date that Jesus was born. Jesus was likely born in the summer, you know, and, and it was like a pagan 
holiday that was you know uh, uh taken and and refurbished um so and that's where the trees come from like there's no <laughs> there's no trees in yeah. the story of jesus's birth or anything or santa like that has nothing to do with jesus <laughs> right um, exactly. but the so Honestly, it's like it's whether cheaper. or not some guy dropping you know coins in people's girls boots outside their houses is weird weird stuff yeah I don't not not aboard Sinterklaas. I uh, I really gotta I really gotta make it known. I am I am less on board with that guy. Um, or in the Swedish tradition where he's like followed on all sides by like people in blackface. Like I'm not I'm not on board with all of the different versions oh, of Santa Claus. Um, right. Well, but, there's but the idea... like, as a recent graduate of uh, Animation One, let me tell you, like, I feel bad for any stop motion animator who creates a piece. Thank you. Sorry. I live, I, li I live at home. All right, I get to start that over. <laughs> oh, so awesome. Thank you, Mom, for the eraser. Um, uh, I feel bad for any stop-motion animator who devotes that much time and effort into a script that isn't good or isn't fully realized or where the thesis of the piece isn't worth telling. Like, I pity that person. I really feel bad because the, the yeah I, for for any ani like I'll watch an animated movie and I'm like I didn't like that very much but then I'm boggled by the amount of work that the animators put into every frame of yes. of the piece and I just I I understand you I I kind of like their message is that whether or not you're like christian or you use it as an excuse to just like hang out with friends or hang out with family or show people you love them that the meaning of christmas is whatever you imbue unto christmas and i i i sort of like that but i understand why yeah that well i mean you can go you can go that route it's like it's a time to put aside everything and and love one another and put aside quote-unquote political differences uh, uh -huh. <laughs> i get that i mean that's that's a acceptable point for to put into a piece that has to be secular i guess but you know at least do that don't just say the meaning of christmas is that it has meaning like good lord <laughs> i get you i understand yeah um well uh, uh <laughs> segueing to the wrap-up sorry that we're wrapping up on your your uh, uh negativity but no, no. Uh, where can the people find you and your work and anything you want people to know or think about here in late october 2020 oh gosh well yeah no i i think i alluded earlier to the idea that uh i am sad post debate well this is the day this was recorded the day after if i'm allowed to, to share that privileged information uh this was recorded the day after the first presidential debate uh and i'm i i'm just i'm just tired man i'm tired <laughs> I, I i uh the, this is not normal post-it thing uh, that I have attitude where you need to be involved and fully emotionally invested in the death of your country. It's exhausting. And especially for someone who's has this inkling in the back of her head, it's like, what is this, what the world is? Is it always going to be this way? I, I'm just, I'm tired. I hope that it improves. It might not. I hope it improves. Um, but on that note, for more of that nihilism, check out the Hilltop show on YouTube, uh, which is essentially, we're trying to make it a, a version of SNL Last Week Tonight Daily Show for young people in the United States. And we our executive producer is from the UK, so we'll cover UK news too. But it feels weird to say the U United States and the UK are like without Europe. You know, I don't know. But for the United sure. States specifically is what we're going for. And we're, we're evolving. Like, I'll admit it. We're still growing. We're still learning. Uh, we're trying to use this to learn how the thing works. Um, but we... 
we're, we're we have about 50 people students from all over the all over the united states um it started at georgetown it started as like a college club and then we thought well first of all actually i, I struggled to recruit we struggled to recruit people at georgetown so i started saying hey friend who goes to a school in maryland how about you come hey okay, friend who goes to rpi in new york come and join the party and then we just started like yeah. well okay and it's a, it was a reminder that the Georgetown, you know, student government drama is relevant to maybe 2,000 people in the entire world. And it's not really worth our time to spend years of our lives, you know, or 48 hours of our lives writing a piece and then 30 minutes mm-hmm. of the viewer's time to angst about that. So we're really yeah. trying to cover things from the perspective of young people, because that's a niche that isn't occupied, uh, to talk about problems to, to talk about problems relevant to young people in a way that young people will understand and also in a way that those who aren't people can under, aren't young people can understand so that broader change can be made bringing in those diverse perspectives to the table which shouldn't be a talk it sounds like a, just a talking point but it's not like we're, we, we really do care deeply about all this <laughs> absolutely uh, I love that and y'all are doing great work over there um, oh. <laughs> of course. Uh, and, uh, it was great finally, like hopping on the mic with you and talking to you and, uh, I don't know, let's do it again sometime. I would love to. Yes, please. Yeah. We could do it after the second presidential debate. You know? <laughs> just like, keep reporting back. Because I swear, back like, like, uh, like, um, grossly over caffeinated, you know, just <laughs> yelling at each other. <laughs> I can't take this. I gotta have another cup. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.